Honk honk, everyone, and welcome to Squawking Dead, your number one source of squeezing every bit of analysis juice until you're sick of analysis juice. Our website has been overhauled 6,000 times in the last week, and I think we're finally settled on a version that's passable. Head over to squawkingdead.com and give us your take on it via email at squawkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. On our last episode, we left off with the plan working, for the most part. Our team now permanently labeled Auk by Eugene, Alexandria Hilltop Kingdom, managed to prevent the saviors from getting their hands on some major firepower, held the walkers into position at the sanctuary and even managed to wrangle themselves some savior hostages. Yeehaw! <laughs> but as Rick finally approaches the junkyard gang with Polaroids that he and his team have taken other victories, the sons of bitches done done him Daryl style, stripped him down and threw him into a hole to wait an unknown fight. <laughs> we now pivot over to the sanctuary where Eugene is tasked with the very important duty of saving the saviors. And in large part, that's what episode 7 of season 8 of The Walking Dead centers around. And we couldn't be more drawn in. As always, I turn to my partner in crime, the double to my trouble, an idealized version of my doppelganger, Harold. Hi! Where to start? Let's see. Uh, I think this is a very interesting episode, Eugene-centric episode, which honestly, I find them to have been pretty interesting when they center around Eugene, because he's such an interesting character. I've said this before, and you know we've talked about this, like, I mean, everybody wants to imagine if the apocalypse happens, they'd be Daryl. Nah, most people would be Eugene. I'm, I'm sticking by that. And, but, we, all, so, and we discover kind of like the reason why, too. Like yeah. Why they would be a Eugene. Why you would be a Eugene, yeah. I mean, the logic behind it makes sense. So it was really interesting to see um, Eugene's point of view and, and where Dwight's coming from. We saw more recklessness from Daryl and Tara, too. Terrible. So, uh, yeah, Tara. Yeah, in my notes, in my notes, basically all the scenes where Dara and Tara, Tara and Daryl are in, it's just labeled Tara. I just couldn't Terrell. even bother with Tara. Daryl, Tara, Rosita, Michelle. I was just like, Daryl. That's no, good. Daryl. Exactly. <sighs> Their behavior, man. Uh, Tara are... more than anything, I think. She really eggs Daryl da- uh, on. She did. She did egg him on. Like, no, we can do it. We can handle it. It's like, oh, come man, on. Like, let's do it. Come on. Yeah. I'm like, let's yeah, join I don't understand that at all. I was like, oh, no, I'm not... I don't think this is a good plan. And I mean, Michonne and Rosita, you know, finally came to their senses. What? Not Daryl and Tara. And, you know, we all saw what they did. And, you know, yep. Rick looked pretty shocked when he realizes what happened. So, oh, yeah. We find out Rick does leave the crutches of the junkyard gang, the trash so hipsters. Weird. So bizarre. But not without some strangeness and some terrify- terrification. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, they're just so bizarre, aren't they? Yeah. They're so weird. Yeah, and we'll, I, we'll definitely get to that, because there's yeah. just so much to unpack there. Not yeah. as much as you do, though, I have to no, admit, which to I'm glad about. for. Yeah. So one thing one thing that I wanted to ask was, have we ever really had, besides the episode where where Eugene puts the, I think it was the glass in the gas tank or the sand or whatever it was, in that mm-hmm. in that bus they were trying to use to get to D.C., Did we really have we ever really gotten a Eugene-centric episode? I mean... I don't we think did. we've ever really gotten uh, no we've gotten we've gotten character episodes in past seasons before here and there but I don't think we've ever seen as much solitary uh, not, character yeah. episodes as this season not as much as this season for sure like this season is really the first time that we've really explored Eugene as a character and his person because he always was basically second fiddle to uh, Abraham to Rosita like he was just sort of just kind of there so yeah. you, we never really ventured much into well what's what's Eugene about you know yeah. and so now finally this season we are getting that because 
basically, you know, Negan pumps him up. Like, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily believe Negan in the kind of things that he tells him about, like, you know, how magnificent he is and how he's the second most important important person here. I don't know if he necessarily believes all that, but he definitely does a good job of, of basically pumping him up and like feeding his ego and just making him feel that he is an important factor and totally benefits Negan, totally. And so the character of Eugene is getting a lot of attention. He's getting attention from the episode, and in the episode he's getting attention from Negan. Like, he isn't just a nobody. He isn't just, like, a background player anymore. He's, like, a a formidable figure. And I feel that he will definitely play a big factor in the mid-season finale, especially when he has that conversation with Dwight, and and Dwight mentions about having basically blood on your hands. I I just feel that that's going to come back. I I just feel that was kind of an ominous conversation yeah and it it, it does kind of hail back to what dylan as i found out it was dylan and you were right that savior that they that um Mm. jesus had captured and taken to to the hilltop it hails back to him because he he basically says the same thing you know we're we've all come into this to try to find safety and try to contribute in some fashion but obviously being with the saviors in general you're just going to end up with blood on your hands and the way this whole system is set up there's just no other way around it and eugene is we slowly start to see that through illusion and through interactions and the, well, the overview of the whole show is kind of showing us that even with all the crazy things that have happened throughout the seasons the last few seasons with the saviors there's just subtle reminders throughout this episode of the the terror that has been kind of inflicted in order to maintain order and reorganize power as uh, eugene as uh, eugene as negan says almost eugene <laughs> no, i'm kidding <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's 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 very interesting to see that play out in in a more subtle way, in a less menacing way, which is kind yeah. of welcome because in some form or fashion, I think with all the face burning and the bat hitting and, and all that stuff, we we kind of lost sight of the subtle ways in which the saviors have kind of operated. Sure. You know, the more yeah. subtle, terrified, exactly, terrification. They yeah, they definitely give off an air and set a tone that's that's present. And and I think, you know, the Jeffrey Dean Morgan who plays Negan just does such a good job with the character in terms of always making you feel that at any moment, you know, he could switch it on you. Oh yeah. And his conversations with Eugene and you just you just never know necessarily what's gonna happen. So yeah. I and think it was it, very interesting. Yeah, and you you almost have to give credit to the writers in this episode because there are things that I picked up the writers and also the, the people that do props and makeup and, and that construct each storyboard because there are little things within the episode that you know, I could I could even just mention get out of the way now is just when Dwight kind of focuses on on, on Eugene after his first conversation with Negan, mm-hmm. how he leans in and says the burning flesh and it kind of shows right. his face up close Dwight's face so there's that reminder and then right after that you see a scene of two saviors barricading the door and w- the male savior actually has a burned face as well yes I noticed that yeah, I, did I didn't notice, notice that the first take but I did yeah. notice that the second take the second time I watched it to, to write notes and it, it's just so subtle it's a, it's a small obviously a much smaller burn because it seems like Dwight needed a little bit more uh, reminding right. yeah um, but you see uh. that and then Tanya you get that um, yeah. where you know Tanya is just basically a living reminder of, of living in a yeah. cage you know being a caged bird who yeah. sings so to speak, yeah. or her supper yeah. you know and the very nihilistic part of it so you 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 get these you got these you know writing mechanic hints you get these prop hints she's still in the dress too the same dress yeah, you'd think she'd still. change but I guess that's the attire yeah still in the black cocktail dresses mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's, there's other things we'll touch upon on the way but I think we really start out with Eugene just pacing around his room yeah 
yeah. with the list, <laughs> which right. is so funny. Yeah, that was what pretty funny, his various columns. Yeah, what I know, what I don't know, things I'm unaware of. Holy. You know, like, a lot of these things you just can't possibly write down, so. <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting that that's how he categorized everything. Yeah, and you know what's, so, you know what's even more funny about that is that the show kind of, it keeps us on our toes, let's yes. just say. Because from the beginning, when we first started talking about Eugene, I think in the first episode, my overall impression of him was that he was an idiot. He was, he was actually kind of an idiot. I think that everybody got that impression. It was like a doofus. Kind of like, yeah. Like, I had no doubt that in some narrow way, he was highly intelligent, but it, for the most part, just socially stupid and awkward. Right. You just no sense of social skills, uh, no. no emotional intelligence, no, just does not know how to navigate the world, which kind of says something about the show, like how people like these probably wouldn't have lasted as long, but somehow he made it through. And that's kind of like why this episode is so important, actually, because yeah. you start to see the ways in which that catches up with him. Yes. You know, the, how sheltered he was and how it fed into this idea of really needing to get safety. To really almost desperately cling to the safest harbor, you know, no matter what it is, and and maybe make the most of it. I mean, obviously, yeah. I think he wants to try to do good, but you know, I think his safety comes is paramount to that. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then that's where we see the first confrontation between him and Dwight, which is kind of good. I'm I'm glad they kind of did that right off the bat, you know, where he mentions Auk and to tell him to t- cease and desist. Auk. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Dwight is telling him to uh, let it play out. You know, you've seen what happens here. You, you don't you don't got blood in your hands yet but that's coming yeah once you do th- once you do those things you become those things and there's no going back no i thought it. i thought that was a really excellent monologue for dwight i mean i thought that was really well done and i think that what he said is going to come back that was very ominous it was very much a, fore- a foreshadowing to me of what could happen especially because they still make the point of showing that eugene still has that red paint on his thumb it's still there yeah literally uh, literally the sign of blood on his hand Exactly. Yeah, and and you know, it's funny, as we're talking, um, I remember that we have met Dwight and Sherry before we knew them at the sanctuary, really. You know, we saw them do some sneaky things to Daryl. Yeah. um, Some quite sneaky things, but Mm -hmm. it's weird that we've seen him and we've known about the saviors for so long, like in in such a kind of drawn out way, in a slowly drawn out fashion, Mm -hmm. and to kind of see him get to this point where he was subjugated, much in the way that Daryl was subjugated, but it kind of stuck yeah but we see him here finally kind of standing up and really realizing what the cost has been and i think in a weird way dwight is sympathetic to eugene he's kind of like saying yeah i think so it, 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 otherwise he would we wouldn't be bothering with him but i think he's going through something right now where he's just sick and tired of of, of doing this anymore you know to, to of, of, it's just got to stop somewhere i can't may, maybe i can't erase the blood that's already in my hands but i can at least stop from spilling some anymore, right right you know? i think so i mean he's come long way and he he's trying to you know turn things around and yeah he he's experienced what he's told eugene he he's had to kill people that he hasn't wanted to you know because that's part of being a savior and he he has to live with that every day and it, the worst reminder of that is the, the toll it took on his relationship with sherry yeah you know and now she's gone and so for now i think there's, yeah, I think there's part of <laughs> for now yeah, sorry <laughs> uh, no that's fine but yeah, it's necessary for this plot device. 
to know that yes. she's gone. So, right. yeah, the thing about Eugene is that it's, it's not only even Abraham, but it was a Rosita as well. Like, there's there's no, no doubt in my mind that, that part of their weird trio relationship was that, like, Abraham was the dad and Rosita was the mom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then he saw them having ugly sex and, you know, yeah. dolphins. Nobody ever forgets dolphins, that. Dolphin smooth? Dolphin smooth. Dolphin smooth. Like, yeah. nobody forgets those things. Those no. two pieces, nobody ever forgets. Nope. And, you know, but unlike a kid, he kind of just sat there and watched. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and so I think Tara stopped him. I think it was Tara that came and was like, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it further reinforces like his sense of needing safety and then yeah. it, with every little terrifying thing that happens, like he does keep a his a cool head, but at the same time, his first instinct is to cling to the cult of Negan, you know, to really For embrace sure. it, you know, let it envelop him, you know, like a safety bubble, you know, and yeah. and oh, yeah. as long as he's within that safety bubble, he seems to function, you know, mm-hmm. like fully. Again, head on his shoulders because he's safe. We've seen him in the past when he's terrified, he's kind of like he just he's hysterical he just oh, can't yeah. keep it together yeah he's he's yeah he falls apart we see him like fall apart several times, several times. <laughs> but, times time. but what's funny about that is it may it makes me pivot to gregory a little bit and how how pathetic he was when what he what he was doing what he usually does isn't working you know he, he can't politic his way out of being thrown in the pig pen the savior pig pen at the hilltop right. and he's just a mess and it's yeah. the only thing he knows and eugene Safety essentially has been the only thing he knows too. Like he knows some killing, but he doesn't really know killing. Let's be really honest, you know, yeah, or, or at least putting down walkers is what I meant. But it's well, but he doesn't know killing either, you know. No. So it's it's this thing where you draw these these parallels between Gregory, who's kind of a detestable character in the way he goes about it, and Eugene is kind of like uh, in a way he's kind of innocent, you know. As much as he puts on a front uh, throughout, you know, in some spots in the episode, he he's kind of the same thing, except without being a horrible person is his primary thing is like not wanting to kill or hurt anybody right. yep if i support one cause the other you know these people die if i do nothing the say you know the the, yeah. the people at the savior die the workers the saviors themselves you know so yeah. what am i supposed to do these people have kept me safe you know i, right. I have a fire i have a role i'm important you know mm-hmm. so he has a all, purpose here yeah, he has a purpose exactly. at the sanctuary which he didn't really have with rick i mean he didn't really have any sort of purpose he was just there so that's a big thing too because it, another one of the things we start we started talking about i think even in the first episode is that he every scene that we see him in at least in the last season he's just useless he doesn't he doesn't no. he doesn't really contribute he doesn't all the things that he was able to do at the sanctuary mm-hmm. like uh the the cool little science experiments he did for the ladies for Nika's yeah. wives all the cool things like even the bullet making right up to the mm-hmm. it starts with the bullet making but right away Negan capitalizes on that oh yeah you know and, and, and the first kind of act that we see that has some sort of intelligence and you know if we hadn't seen that we wouldn't even we wouldn't even known like all the stories that he was telling to Abraham and Rosita I we could have just called him on his bullshit but right exactly but, but here he's like magically some important person here he has an actual function you know? he actually so the survival function. stuff is not for him no he actually has a function he actually has a purpose he doesn't just have to f- fight for his survival he as long as he you know basically does his job he's protected he's looked after and yeah. that's and rewarded it. and rewarded you know, with his status like he's no rick <laughs> he's no no, he's, he's no but he's up there he's like in the upper you know basically he's upper management oh yeah the second most important there the person there that's a big deal yeah. he was about to kiss his hand though i was like wow man 
I actually, when I saw that, I was like, does he want to kiss his hand? And then he started that's... doing it. I'm like, oh, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, all right, I guess I would do that too because that's the kind of person I am in the Walker apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. It was like, I think Josh McDermott, the actor, said that it's like the way he ex- he, he extends his hand. He's like, you know, that's, that's automatically what he would think. I mean, then he kind of explains afterwards when he's like, oh, you know, like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, get up. I get the impression that he was trying to get him up to shake his hand because the way he had his hand it was sort of like hey look at my engagement ring like it was just, I don't know, it was just it wasn't in a handshake form it was like i'll make you the happiest wife yes <laughs> it was in a very different form so but yeah, then yeah. the way they made it seem is like okay that he wanted him to get up and then shake his hand and you know show him mutual respect which yeah again not necessarily something that he got with rick's group i mean they tolerated him but it, yeah, i don't think that there was a mutual respect no yeah because he's pulled some shit too that's yeah. the, oh, no, that's for sure. no i mean i don't blame rick and, and and team grimes for that i mean no no who can really yeah you know but here he's like he's revered almost he's i was gonna say revered very strange dude but, but yeah the pickle thing oh, come on <laughs> he he's eccentric yeah yeah if you think about it he's kind of like a safe harbor for for so many of these people like think of all the people in the upper echelons like regina simon all these frightening terrifying even gavin to a certain extent let's mm-hmm. be honest and then there's eugene yeah. and then there's eugene he's like oh i can talk to this guy you know yeah. he can do me favors and we can exchange right. things he just yeah. he doesn't he doesn't take like the upper echelon you know like like the people no. protecting the workers no, because and also because i feel like a lot of the guys in negan's cabinet for lack of a better word, basically get off on this sort of dominating the population and all of that. They enjoy that. So they enjoy being like formidable and intimidating and all that sort of thing. So yeah. whereas Eugene, he's not that person. That's that's not who he is whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's not only that they enjoy it. I mean, they enjoy it because it's part of their ethos. I mean, yes. this, the, say, the saying is we take what's ours. We don't give nothing back, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's just them. You know, they, they, that's what these saviors are in the workers are, they're almost mutually exclusive you know they're part of the same umbrella but they're just mutually exclusive from oh totally they're not even like they're not really even saviors you know so they, they're just people that are under them you know they're part of the savior economy they're they're capital city if you will yeah the saviors are like the warriors in the castle and you have like all these like peasants that essentially like live under their thumb yep the knights and the, the knights you could even say lords knights and then you have the serfs you know the yeah. serfs and peasants yeah essentially that's what it is yep and then you have the the hilltop the alexandra and the kingdom and these are kind of just like they're like a, it's like all this fiefdom stuff you know they're yes. giving fiefs to the king king negan <laughs> yeah not it, to be not to be confused with king Ezekiel or king arthur even <laughs> Because he's got his square table full of uh, little dents in it. Yes. But, uh, yeah. So the next scene, we do see Doctor Carson. We 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 see him again because I know I I think I remember seeing him at the hilltop when they mm-hmm. took him finally. Yeah, yeah we saw a little bit away. of. Mm-hmm. You kind of just start seeing that with all the kindness that Carson is trying to extend to Eugene, basically trying to say, hey, I know you're a nice guy, and this guy was your friend, traveling compartment. Yes, traveling, <laughs> traveling companion. companion. And basically, that's it. Like, Eugene kind of just tries to distance himself. You start to see his commitment to the saviors. You know, he starts yeah. to see his outward, yes. you know, posturing, you know, and it's not malicious. It's not, no. it, first of all, it's just Eugene, first of all. He's just, right. he seems to be just like this, you know, like yes. on, on a regular 
regular basis. But I mean, he had to pretend for so long to be this important Doctor Eugene Porter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he knows how to pretend to be something that he's not. Oh yeah. To just stay alive, you know, he had to pretend to be that way to get this this protection from Abraham and Rosita for so long. So yeah. Carson just it, it, it's it's kind of cool what he just said. He what he makes him do. He's just not a he's not just a doctor. He's a person that cares, and he he kind of goes, hey, well, look at it this way. Do you want him to die? He's like, no. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so That's he kind of just gets kid. to the core of, of you really quick. Yeah, he was off the fence in Eastern medicine for the doctor. <laughs> Uh, for, for Father Gabriel. I'm sorry. Yeah. Things are getting dire at the sanctuary. I mean, pretty much. I mean, it just sounded, the way he made it seem, it's like Gabriel's organs are not doing well and they're infected and they're going to continue to shut down but there's no medicine so he's going to go find some weed for Father Gabriel like that's basically what I got from it oh, <laughs> I mean like you, really that's you, what I got from Easter it. medicine is weed <laughs> well it just seemed no, well he's I think he also said herbs I yeah oh, okay sworn, oh, I, I could I could have sworn that he also said herbs and I was like so we're there now that's, and a green that's, light bulb lit above your head like, <laughs> that's what you thought you know, I, I, you know it's funny how I, I you, I didn't even think that, but now it's like the only thing I'm thinking of right now. It's like, <laughs> and if that is the case, I would be like, well, here we have a situation where we have the sanctuary that apparently has Eastern medicine, herbs, and weed, and essential air. So, <laughs> I mean, what a place to be! The sanctuary. It's called the sanctuary. It's called, it's called the sanctuary. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. You knew. <laughs> I very intuitive. I try. I do my best. That's why we do a podcast. Exactly. That's, that's, the, that's the way I'm summing this up. Yeah. But yeah, oh, it, one important thing that he mentions when Carson's out of the room to Father Gabriel, and, you know, Car- Gabriel's trying to basically chat him up, tell him, telling him that, like, you know, you got to have faith, you know, right. God has a plan, and and, yeah. and and Eugene just kind of fires back right away. Like, even if I wanted to, I couldn't even take the good doctor out, because if mm-hmm. I'm supposed to put on all those guts to smuggle him out, I'm just going to get just as sick as you, and I don't want to die, yeah. you know? There are so many people have gone horizontal i'm still vertical so yeah. it's that whole thing and that's a that's a very good point because the truth is that he could he could probably leave whenever he wanted to by just employing the same routine but we're starting to see that it may have worked in the beginning the whole guts thing but i think mm-hmm. now this is one of those things that they can't chance like one more danger that the walkers pose yeah this, this concept now and i also wonder if it has anything to do with uh the episode where um all the kingdom knights were killed at the end, we see that there was some sort of radioactive waste or something where oh. we had those like walkers go through that lake or whatever. I wonder oh. if that has anything to do. With that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So it, organ shutdown. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of like typical of radiation. Like everything starts to kind of not liquefy, but really right. just it can't function anymore. You get cell death and radioactivity. Because, because otherwise, I feel like kind of showing this sort of radioactive sort of waste thing like I just feel like for lack of a better term would be a waste <laughs> to kind of you know show this and then sort of like oh you know it's they they happen they happen to be going through a lake of radioactive waste it's like well maybe maybe there's something to that maybe you know it is the case that some of these walkers have gone through this and you know beyond the fact that it's walker guts that are already bad but maybe it's to another level 
yeah. you know, because of that. So well, I, will, I will say for some the people that'll get snarky and say, oh, you know, it, they were stuck in that little toxic pit, you know, the toxic stream. They couldn't get out. And it's true. I mean, I guess to a certain extent, but like, I mean, you never know where that stream's going to go down. They could have right. just been following the stream. Yeah. You know, it's shiny. They, they it, might do it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, it could have. I, I just kind of feel that it's not a, a point to just kind of throw away. I feel like potentially that could be part of the reason why this time around father gabriel is having the reaction that he's having yeah it was it was it's such an extreme and sudden reaction too it, it yeah. kind of took hold of him fairly quickly very very quick it, it, yeah, by, it, it happened very quickly yeah by the time he was at negan was out of the shower gabriel was in shivers <laughs> yeah, so pretty much yeah so i you know that hadn't occurred to me points to carol yeah i gotta Thanks. give it to you <laughs> ding, ding. I try. Ding. Well, i should have a little bell <laughs> Should just carry around a little bell, a just little in general. Bell, like, <laughs> that means I did something right. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna order one off Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will. Two, two I'm gonna use shit, it. Bitch. Yep. I got Prime. <laughs> I'm going to have that thing. It's going to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the season, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, we kind of leave off that scene with Gabriel just telling him as he kind of collapses a little bit that, you know what the right thing to do is when it comes. You know, you'll, right. you'll see it. When you see it, you'll you'll just do it. Yep. You know, just keep your, keep your eyes open, basically. That's what so. a good man says. You know, and the very next scene, I think we see Eugene. We do see him in his room kind of thinking about the situation. And Tanya basically asks him for his boombox. Yes. I was very annoyed with this at first. And then <laughs> the scene at first. Um, do tell. Explain why. But I will say one thing. When I watched it the second time, I realized the significance of it. Because of all these little mechanics, all these little tells yep. about mm-hmm. how the, 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 savior, the saviors really are. Mm-hmm. And Tanya is really just kind of like a living, like I mentioned before, she's kind of like a living reminder of how it is here. Oh, you know, yeah. is, is this what you want to save? And she kind of just says it. Oh, yeah. She, she's, she's very, very like straight with him about basically like you had the opportunity to do something about this situation and yeah. you didn't you looking for yourself right right but you know of course we're watching the scene at first that first thought we're like who does this bitch think she is <laughs> what are you doing girl there are people there are like dead things outside your door and you care about a boombox hey this is what you know, annoyed me the most. I know priorities, right? Right, exactly. You know, and this is what you care about. In my mind, I kind of just figured, like, well, because the other uh, savior, neck tattoo girl, I don't know her name. Oh yeah, I wish I, I wish I knew her name because I know we've seen her before, but we have. I do not remember her name. You know, she she tells um, Eugene that she thinks that they have like another day to tops based on how it's looking. So maybe, yeah, maybe Tanya's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna listen to some music. (laughs) Just that's it. That's as good as it's gonna get. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Just to explain the scene a little bit more, she asked him about the boombox, and she's there with the wine. The deal that they struck is basically one bottle of wine uh, before and one bottle after. She has it in her hand. She kind of thinks that he's already done with it. He's not. He wants it from her anyway, and he admits that he kind of needs the giggle juice to kind of sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and it's this whole scene where she's really reminding him that he, yeah, like you said, he could have he could have done something about the saviors before this could this happened. Yes. And there's a lot to talk about here because as you and I have broken down these episodes, we've already been on board with Rick's plan. You know, I, I still think that even back then, like had they known what they known every about the saviors all along, Rick's plan would have been the only way to go. You yeah. gotta convince these people that the, that the saviors can't really offer the kind of safety that they say they can. You know, right. and then, yeah. you know, convince them that there's another way. Um, so my strong inclination about Tanya is that she's been wrong two times now. You know, she's wrong now and she was wrong back then to try to get ne- uh, 
uh, Eugene to knock off Negan. So uh, that's my strongest inclination, inclination. But there's something about this episode, the way Negan is kind of saying you're the second most important person here and how she's basically kind of saying you you may have been smart enough to actually be able to hold this place together, convince these people that there's another way on your own. And I'm not 100% convinced of that, but there's a part of me right. that thinks that what if though? What if Eugene kind of came into his own? What if he, like, just like he was Dr. Eugene Porter with Abraham and Rosita, could he yeah. have maybe convinced Simon, Gavin, Regina, Dwight that things could be better, you know? Part of me thinks, okay, these people would eat him alive. They would yeah. eat each other in a power vacuum to try to be top dog. And then, and in the end, at the end of the day, as these things go, the whole system would collapse, you know? In right. the struggle for power, all these workers would, they, it would just downstream travel to the workers. The workers, workers would probably rise up and it would be done. And you start to see that really Negan, I mean, as I as I follow this logically, Negan is practically the only person that's kind of keeping this all together. Oh, one yeah. way or the other. You know, the way he does it seems to work. Yeah. Even though it's not a way to live. No, it's not a way to live, but I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that he is, he has managed to keep his people in line. And Rick's part, you know, he's got people on his side basically going on all these random renegade missions and not listening to his orders. <laughs> on the other hand, Negan yep. seems to kind of keep his people in line. And there's something to be said about the fact that he's able to keep people in line even with the dire situation that they're in because at the end of the day, they're closed in. I mean, obviously this is before, you know, the tr- Daryl rams, rams the truck into the wall and all of that. But, you know, before right. that, I mean, they were basically trapped inside with walkers heavily surrounding them, running low on resources, not necessarily sure what they were going to do. And, you know, you didn't have anybody turn on Negan at all. They, they kind of are still looking to him for, like, guidance. What do we do, you know? Right. We only have faith in you. That's what it's Yes. Saying. They don't have faith in, like, the lieutenants or anything like that. They only have faith in him. Yeah. Well, I think for the most part, I think it's it should be understood at this point that Negan has cultivated these knights yeah. to a point where if he's not there, I think he knows that he's made them ruthless enough to actually be detrimental if he was not there. Right. You know, like like oh, I did such a good job, but like at the end of the day, there's a there's a double edged sword here. You know, I, right. I've raised I've raised a bunch of wolves among sheep, and if if the shepherd isn't there, you know, the wolves are going to attack the sheep. You know, yeah. or each other. You know, to do alpha dog. So it's just very it's very trepidation which kind of further reinforces the point that Eugene is not the guy you know he would right. never have been the guy and so what Tanya says is as although it's kind of you could have done something and maybe that's the takeaway here you could have done something but you didn't it kind of reinforces the idea that Father Gabriel is basically saying is that you should do something do the right thing you know right he doesn't tell him to do that's another thing to know is that as much as Father Gabriel says he should take Carson out to the hilltop or back to the hilltop and he says this at first at the end of the day, he just says, you know, just do the right thing. Do what's right. And right. I think that's probably the best advice he's been given, you know, yeah. like between Dwight, between Tanya. That's probably the best advice he could probably take. And yeah. you know, credit to Gabriel for that, actually, because it gets yeah. in his head. It's the only yeah, thing that seems does. to get in his head. It Tanya does doesn't really head. get into his head. But yeah, and and he seems to fight Dwight on not doing anything, you know, right. but with Gabriel, he kind of pauses. You know, there's this there's yeah. this look of I don't know, which right. is you, you don't really see with Eugene. He kind of just jumps to the answer. He yeah. seems to he seems to sit, make everybody think like he knows everything, but when we know that he really doesn't. 
Yeah. So I noticed that when we saw him fixing the boombox, that scene, what what I didn't notice, what you might not have noticed is he already had the kite plans on his desk. I actually paused oh, there. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, he already seemed to have had plans an for idea. the kite. Yeah, yeah, he already had an idea. Yeah. And he just well, kind of put then, them all together. And then he and we see him go into, I don't know what area was it was of the sanctuary, but he found the coffin that Sasha was in and got the iPod that was in there. And I one, I think. <laughs> it was a pretty old iPod. Yeah, really I think was. it was the first one. How did that thing still have a charge? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm nitpicking here, but it's yeah. the magic of television. The magic of television. Just just suspend your belief. Just suspend it right now. A lot of editing in post. Yes. <laughs> a lot of CG. Yeah, for uh, sure. Maybe the whole thing wasn't real. Maybe it wasn't really an iPod One. It was just uh, it was just a, a box that they CG'd an iPod One over. Well, we have to talk about our thoughts on the helicopter that magically has not shown up again. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, let's take a, a break to talk about that because where did that come from if it wasn't from the junkyard, right? I don't know. I do not know. I I, mean, I, um, I, I feel like it has to come up in the mid-season finale. You can't just show a black helicopter overhead and then it's like, okay, well, we're not going to talk about it anymore until later. It's like, oh, yeah. You can't do that. I like that you reminded me of that. That's that's because, yeah, because I kind of forgot about it in all the hubbub and I assumed that it was the junkyard gang, but I didn't really... I like calling them that, by the way. But yeah, I... <laughs> it's a softer tone, you know. It's like yeah. uh, trash hipsters. Uh, I, I called them the dumpsters for a while uh, in my head because I didn't say it out loud. Um, and I was just like, ah, the junkyard gang. Ah, they're a groovy bunch of people who really annoy me. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 probably a very important thing to bring up because they're out there somewhere, and Heath is out there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're all out uh, there somewhere in the woods. Yeah, exactly. So, they, I mean, they did mention a flyer. So <laughs> they I'm not did. really, so really I sure. Wonder, what I wonder if that's what that means. I don't know if that if that's what it is. It's like if they have access to a helicopter. But that's so strange. I mean, it's possible. I mean, it could be something that's controlled by the saviors. And, you know, they, they'll, they, they'll use it if necessary to basically rain down on, you know, unsuspecting enemies. But... I don't know. I was just like, that helicopter has to come up. Has to. Yeah. Well, it could be a group that we're entirely unaware of, too. That would be crazy. You know, and, and, and the Sabres seem to have a hold on them as well. And maybe it's one of those situations where they don't want to use, have to use it unless they really have to, because then they will have to, they feel like they owe them. Maybe this group is on shaky ground with them. It's the only right. thing I could really think of. Yeah. It only I just reminded me that thing exists and it's oh, yeah. obviously something we haven't seen on the grounds we haven't seen at any right. of the station mm-hmm. so it's out there and wherever it came from it did not come from any of those satellite stations did not come from the nope. sanctuary no, it so didn't. it's it's worth it's worth kind of thinking of at least for a little bit like knowing that it's there and it's out there and it could actually do some damage yeah or definitely. be an entirely third party and we don't know God, so nuts but yeah it's this whole can thing you, can I tell you side tangent what I want that mm-hmm. helicopter to be like uh, it, that would be it would be more suitable for the end of the show because you know I'm always with my eye on the prize of like well, how is this thing going to end in my mind <laughs> end of the show period the series yes. finale yes exactly oh, in God. my mind <laughs> I would love for that black helicopter to be filled with soldiers from another country altogether like not from the continent of like the Americas at all like oh, I would love it to be a situation in my mind mm-hmm. 
I would love to find out that this whole zombie apocalyptic epidemic is has only affected like the US, Canada, oh. like neighboring countries, but other countries have not and we've all been quarantined. Wow. That's what I want. Like I a chemical assault? Maybe. I don't know. Like I just wanna I just wanna see that like it's just us. Other parts of the world are living just fine. <laughs> you know, I okay, so I'll tell you one thing. I know you haven't watched Fear the Walking Dead, but I do know that at least this part of the hemisphere, the you know, United States, but we've got Mexico, you've got South right. America, you've got I don't know about Canada, but they do mention because they are on the ocean for a little while, so they're trying to get radio waves of, on what's happening around the world, or not right, around the world, right. but around their vicinity. But just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do know that at least the the west, you know, the western mm-hmm. part of the hemisphere has has been affected. I don't right. know about the rest of the world, but I do know that that it has affected more than just the United States or North America. Let's just say right. Because in my mind, right. I mean, because the reason that I, I thought I do is love that your theory, though. I do think it's. I think that I don't think that's where it would end, though. In my mind, I'd no. be like, no, I want to know more now. No, it would be an intriguing possibility of like, where do you go now? Like, that's the thing. I find it intriguing because the whole zombie lore of this show is the idea of like everybody's infected, every single person is infected yeah, with, right. what, with what turns you. Doesn't matter whether you're bit or not. As soon as you you pass away, it's like you will turn. It gives off the impression that it's some sort of like I mean they've never gone into it obviously but almost like some sort of government vaccine or something because for everybody to have it already in them it's almost as if something that's administered for everyone to have that in them right Um, which isn't necessarily the case in all countries that's things specific to certain regions and certain areas and certain countries it wouldn't be you know everywhere so for that reason it's like I feel like it would be so jarring for like to see a helicopter with just normal people (laughs) just normal just normal soldiers you know just because other parts of the country have been living just fine because the U.S. has just gone off their rocker you know not trying to get political or anything but (laughs) are you not (laughs) no not at all not at all yeah the the idea of the idea of a chemically engineered biological weapon is 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 very intriguing to me now yeah or i don't know if you ever watched the show revolution which which channel is that on it was it was it was showed a few years ago i think it only lasted a season plus Mm -hmm. but it was basically surrounded around the idea of what would happen to the united states without power period okay and it, it all comes down to a computer and that has found a way to put something in the air that causes electrical signals to not be able to transfer. Mm. So it, it, it was designed to be a weapon that somehow misfired in the lab, and you know, you and you find out later on that it was was somebody had a hand in that and and the whole thing. But it's it does kind of the same thing. Like the United States does kind of devolve, and and you realize that it's this weird. They they kind of form this almost like Negan kind of empire led mm. by this one person who kind of rose up and took over and enforced his will on everybody but it's 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 similar in that in that effect you know and and you know it's not only the united states that is affected here but it was the entire world too which is very interesting you know people just trying to find safe harbor around the world you know it's away from this one guy madison i think is a lot of a lot of uh, colonial uh, names like madison and uh, jefferson and jackson like all these character names so just kind of interesting how you know how that that plans out i forgot why i even mentioned this but it's just because we were t- <laughs> we I, it's I blame myself. It's all my fault. I I, I was like side tangent black helicopter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry. Side tangent. There are helicopters that, because that runs off of uh, uh, combustion. So, okay. you know. It, 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 oh, no, I'm sorry. They they find out little pockets of how to get electricity to work. And so that really kind of turns it on its head. Like, who has the power? The, oh, the person that can wield electricity. You know, it's so it's really, really strange. I mean, I'd recommend watching it anyway. But, but you know, to get back to the to the story, it's just the idea that, okay, you, I mean, you have this you have this element that's out there that we don't know about. And right. it could come up at any time. And I think we're going to know about it in this finale, or this mid-season so. finale. I There's just so. no way you can keep that thing up in the air for that long. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I want to talk about the coffin, though. Uh, Sasha and the coffin. Because yeah. I, I wanted that to was a your... really jarring moment. Like, when that, that, was, that moment kind of, like, I, I, I jumped a little bit. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, forgot about that. Yeah, and I was kind of looking at Eugene's face as he experiences that, you know, that right. moment. Yeah, you know, as yeah. Remembering. And yeah. I don't think he, it's a matter of him being scared. I think he's, he's kind of thinking of what, you know, by clinging to these people, am I betraying people that have made genuine sacrifices? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I gave this woman a pill that would kill herself. I could yeah. never do that. Right. You know, I, yeah, that the level of bravery that he's seen from, that he's witnessed from Rick's group. I mean, Sasha, Glenn, Abraham. I mean, these are people that have demonstrated enormous bravery in very, very dire situations. Right. Which, she's, that Eugene, which she's witnessed. Yeah, which Eugene could never do. I mean, he knows that he, and he flat out admits it. He, he doesn't try to be what somebody he's not. He flat out admits that he's not brave. He's not that person. He's small. He's a small person. Right. And he's just interested in self-reservation above all else. Yeah. And the more you look at this episode, you start to see several things playing out and, and trying to exert pressure on him from all sides. You have these reminders of what the saviors are. He is affected by this. And we'll get to what I think affects him in a way that we don't expect later on. But more than anything, you get the burnt faces. You get the, the Negan's wives. You get the way these workers are living. But you also get reminders of bravery. You get these reminders of Sasha. You get these reminders of Gabriel trying to tell him. And it does affect him. It affects him, it it affects him almost in kind of like a negative way also. Like, like, you know, okay, so fine. You know, I'm small. You know, okay, I get it. You know, I'm small. But then you see that as a result of this, he kind of starts to change his actions. And one of those things is when he's on the roof and trying to manipulate the, the kite flyer with the with the iPod one uh, and you see him defy Dwight, something that I don't think we would have ever seen him do. No, yeah, We've seen was... him try to do brave things, like especially in the in like in the bullet. I don't I don't know if it was in the bullet factory, but it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, um, but never to the level of facing uh, like this guy had death. a gun to your head. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's not a he's not an unmenacing character. No, you know no. Dwight. He killed uh, he killed Tara's girlfriend. Denise. Yeah. yeah, Denise. Thank you. She's yeah. a terrific actress too. If you've ever seen uh, Nurse Jackie, oh, she's she on was there too. Okay. She's terrific. So no, he that knows was, that was a very precarious situation. I mean. Honestly, I was watching it from my perspective, and I kind of wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was like, I really wasn't sure because Eugene. I mean, Eugene's an important character, but at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily, I would not have necessarily been shocked if Dwight would have shot him. I, I was, right, I was right. kind of like, oh god, this could, this could happen. Obviously, he doesn't. He shoots the, his his drone <laughs> that he made. 
But yeah, that was like a lot of bravery on the part of Eugene to basically kind of say, yeah, you have a gun to my head, but I'm going to still do this anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, and maybe that was, see, and that's the thing. Maybe that was his one act of doing the right thing. Like, you know, as much as we try to criticize maybe Eugene for clinging to the saviors, there's something to be said about the way he buys in is not the same way that the upper echelon buys in. You see Simon and he's kind of, he's not power hungry, but he certainly takes advantage of his position of power. He kind of relishes in it, right? You have Gavin who enjoys the seat of power, even though it comes with kind of like, oh, grunt, do I have to do this? Which is kind of shitty because if you think about... He's He's, he's like those grisly upper management guys that just hates his job, and you know, but it pays really well. Isn't that like the epitome of privilege too? Like that, and not to get into this arena, but like, just like, dude, you enjoy like a crazy amount of privileges because of what you're doing. Just you know what? Take the mantle. Just stop acting like you're annoyed by everything. I'm just so annoyed by this guy. Yeah. Like like, no, I really like. And and while while other people out in the world, let's say, are suffering, and and even the people, the workers that that can't can't even touch you. Yeah. It's like, dude, just be thankful. You know. Could be a lot worse. Yeah, and Regina, who's obviously bloodthirsty, very uh, much so. And then you have Dwight, who's kind of living as kind of a lap dog. Uh, yeah. And so you know, and just to see Eugene come about embracing this from the standpoint of I get you, like I, or at least Negan, I get you. I get why you're doing what you're doing, why you built right. the structure, because I I see right. what you're doing. I see that you're trying to give people purpose. You know, even right. crappy people. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know? I and, think so. And you do care about people in your own way. You know. So I'm going to try to live this ghost. I'm going to try to embrace it from where I'm standing and the way I, I want to contribute, you know? And, and Negan gives him, enables him to do that, you know? He yeah. really kind of sees where he's coming from, where yeah, Eugene's he, coming from is what I'm saying. He basically gives him, like, some more rope, and it's like, sure, here you go. Like, he he's basically very much satiating his uh his ego he's he's feeding into his ego he's he's doing every all the things that that are basically further convincing eugene that he made the right decision let's even talk about negan just for a second because it's suddenly occurring to me that his affinity for for eugene negan's affinity for eugene mm-hmm. may actually be genuine I mean, if you really think about it we had this episode where we explored negan's philosophy when it comes to people mm-hmm. and he must be so sick and tired of people just buying into to be safe you know Ah, sure you know and and eugene is doing essentially the same thing but but he's contributing something different and i think that's what makes it so interesting to him like somebody like eugene because he has a well of knowledge that he knows that if properly harnessed can be incredibly effective for you know the saviors whereas other people are just sort of like i'll give you whatever you need for protection here's my firstborn daughter you know like i don't you know I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, whereas like, Eugene has something literally li- some, something tangible to contribute. But even but even more than that, what I what I'm thinking is that I think Negan sees that Eugene understands him, whereas his lieutenants probably don't. His yeah, lieutenants they just prob- fall in line. Yeah, they fall in line and they, they emulate as well. They emulate his his, you know, nutsack holding bravado, bat to the desk, mm-hmm. iron to the face kind of mentality. They don't get it. And I think Negan appreciates the fact that Eugene. Eugene gets him also right. like Eugene without even having a confessional with Father Gabriel I think Eugene gets him and and he says as much Eugene says as much we're saviors we we save you right. know and it's yeah. it's just saying that that like it's almost like a, a proud father of of a son you know like yeah I don't have to be this 
way with him, which must mm-hmm. be so refreshing for him. Like, I don't have to lead this guy. I don't have to manipulate this guy as much. I just have yep. to tap into something he already gets when it, with this whole thing. Ah. So maybe it starts to get me thinking that it's not all an act. Like, maybe he is being an encouraging father figure to, to mm-hmm. Eugene. Even the thing where he says, stand up and then shake my hand. Like, mm-hmm. he's teaching his son how to properly <laughs> shake someone's hand. You know, like, yeah. because, you know, this is how you do it, son. This is how you do it with people that you respect. Yeah, and I'm going to teach Eugene. you how to do that. That scene alone, that little thing, just really, yeah. really got me, like, in a way. Like, like oh, it started getting me thinking, like, is, is this not genuine? Because at first I was like, oh, he's full of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the more I think about it, he's like, oh, wait, it must be nice to have somebody who gets it. You know, that it gets has what to I'm be comforting. Without having to explain it, so. Right, exactly. Yeah, I do like the idea that, like, ne- that Eugene has to mention that Negan isn't the, the dying type, you know? Yes, I think that that's a little, um, that's definitely a little breadcrumb for people to, to follow. Negan ain't the dying type. I obviously am a comic reader, so I come from a different perspective, clearly. But yeah, Negan is a very pivotal, important character. So he isn't a character that you're just going to kill off. It's it's not that cut and dry. It's and we're starting to see that too. Yeah, because I can't imagine how the sanctuary would not lose all of these people without Negan. No, it seems to me that they have. It's like you you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But the only positive thing I could see come out of this is that they reach an accord of some kind because there's just no way these people would be able to be cool in this world without him or at least ease into a world with him in it like wean them off of Negan and the way he is so that's yeah. the only thing I could think of, really, because it just doesn't make sense to me. And it's yeah. it's something that Tanya does not get. You know, like, right. it's not that simple. Yeah, It's exactly. something that Daryl and Daryl and uh, Terrell, they don't get. They no. just don't get it. No, they're, they're impulsive. Was it Eugene that bit Dwight's junk? Yes, it was. Okay. Was this at the Bullet Factory or something? Yes, it was outside of the armory. The only two times that Eugene has shown a shred of bravery is towards Dwight? <gasps> well, towards the saviors, because... <laughs> there was that time that he bid white <laughs> but there was also his one shining moment when you know they were trying to get Maggie to the doctor and he drove the RV to distract the saviors so that they can kind of keep going on their mission to bring uh, Maggie over to to the doctor that um, is a good obviously, point obviously we all know how that ended but that was like his moment and I think he mentioned it to to Sasha that you know he drove he rode off in the sunset with this bravery and you know thinking he was going to be a hero and he was fully prepared at that point to to die because he felt like he was going out with like a purpose but you know obviously he got got captured it didn't happen and you know I think seeing the way that two people like Abraham and Glenn were murdered in front of him I think added that extra layer of no man I'm not going to go down that road self-preservation at all costs. Yeah. This is what happens. Yeah. yeah. And in that way, Negan wins, you know? Right, yeah. Oh, boy. But he does get it. You know, like, he's seen it, but he still gets it. He does the math. You know, he doesn't think of these things emotionally. Like, he, no. I mean, not to the extent that we do, but... He, no, very he does logically. Do calculus. Yeah. Yes. It all has to make sense. Yeah. And he is quite mad. Uh, he is quite mad, not only after Dwight shoots the kite. I mean, first of all, the bullets start flying and, the, you know, the sniper bullets start flying when the garbage truck starts to ram the sanctuary so he has no choice but to kind of flee he can't really even process the fact that Dwight foiled his plans to save the saviors so right but when he starts seeing the bodies fall 
as the yeah. walkers start to take over the factory floor. Yeah. He is pissed. Yeah, he's living. He's absolutely living, shaking. His one true act of bravery. Like, there's little bouts of defiance, but yeah. his one true clean act of, of bravery to try to save people. And it, something that he's people. never done before. Yeah. And I think that he takes his post very seriously. And so basically in his mind, this is an opportunity for him to make a contribution and save these people rather than just being killed by these, you know, zombies. I'd love to hear what Eugene thinks about Daryl and and Tara drove the the, the oh. truck into the um into the sanctuary. I wonder like his reaction you mean? I wonder like I wonder if he's what does he think about it? I mean, does he think that Rick and the t- and, and and the group are are, are soulless, heartless killers mm. that just kind of want to you know open it up to the floodgates. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure yeah, I'm we'll find out. More. Too. I'm sure we'll find out more. Oh, and that and you know, I don't blame you for leaving it there, but it's you are drawing a good point. Like he does mention things like Father Gabriel was partially responsible for Rick's crew rolling up in the sanctuary and and getting the walkers all there. So he does exhibit a sense of I don't I guess it's not hatred per se, but he's like I I know who the guilty party is you know right and anybody yes. involved in that is responsible too i don't know if he really genuinely feels that way but i know that he has to be that way and he has it's to not be honest. that way yeah yeah it's not necessarily a phony thing because i think he kind of believes it like I, i'm invested in my safety here so i have to kind of act accordingly but right i, th- I think he does feel for sasha I, do- I think he does feel for rick and his crew but i do think that there may be a part of it that he needs to reconcile with you know yeah, yeah and, and you know having his last his only real act of bravery his true pure form of bravery be thwarted it's just a kick in the teeth after father gabriel's speech you know just to have that happen to him it's me any one of us would feel that way you know you're trying to do a good thing and somebody spits in your face not maybe literally but it's just kind of like it's the worst feeling to have you know i try to do good but i it just it doesn't pan out and it's it's not what people tell you that will happen when you do a good thing so it's not what they say karma doesn't happen the apocalypse (laughs) the apocalypse changes everything changed everything Um, i'll tell you what you know in, in life I've been through scenarios like that where you try to do the right thing and then you get kicked in the teeth it's just terrible not oh, literally because yeah. that sounds horrible that's but, horrible. Uh, but yeah you know I think I think we've all hit that in some f- gradient you oh know, yeah at, at one time in our lives the next real scene we see Eugene in after he visits Father Gabriel and unloads his sack of yeah. you know, venom we see Negan and Eugene and they're talking about making bullets mm-hmm. and it seems to me that they've already had a conversation about either getting him to 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 the factory or getting the factory to him either way he's on board you know and then Negan says how does it feel to save people and he says it feels great yeah I was gonna say I think he says it feels great yeah and I believe it too like I think part of me believes that he's the only thing that makes me think that some of this is an act is the very next part of that scene is when Dwight pops in as he's about to rat him out Mm -hmm. and the one thing that I noticed was that so Eugene was on Dwight's left side Mm -hmm. and the left side of his face is burnt and there's a lot of little tells throughout the episode like the burnt faces of the people the the guy in the front you Dwight's yeah. face mentioning the burnt flesh and then Tanya and then all the horrible things that the, I mean, even Dr. Carson himself mm. he was part of Hilltop he was Maggie's doctor he became Maggie's doctor essentially the reason why they went there to, in the first place and they just took him and he saw the original doctor get thrown into the oven he knows oh, what, that, yeah. what that's about that you is know? true so you have all these scattered reminders and then seeing Dwight's face his face of defeat I think something happened something finally maybe clicked right so- and, I, and I know that in the very next scene we see him kind of boozing out 
And and maybe the only thing that I can think of, because I'm trying to reconcile the next scene with what currently happened, mm-hmm. and then what just happened beforehand, it feels great to save people. The only thing I could think of is that he, in the at the end of the day, he follows Dwight's advice, you know, yeah. which is to do nothing, because all he can seem to do is drink. Right. He he is seriously drowning his sorrows. He's feeling his feelings, and he doesn't want to do that. Yeah, and it, it does make me wonder what's it like. It's like you said before we started the show. It's I'm totally comfortable with seeing what happens next because it can go anywhere from here there, we have oh, yeah. signs we have signs where he can do this that or the other thing you know the other thing being <laughs> nothing and i think definitely taking dr carson to the hilltop is off the table but i can definitely say that he might be just taking dwight's advice at the end of the day because dwight seems to know as soon as i stick my neck out you know i'll just get it chopped off somehow or some way mm-hmm. you know as soon as i help something somebody else suffers as soon as mm-hmm. i try to help both people i'm the one who's gonna end up being su- end up suffering so it's it just it makes me feel for him you know and like i shouldn't but it's like the father gabriel thing you know you you want to wonder how somebody like that survived this long you know and but at the same time the show seems to drop little things that make you wonder like when you see gregory whimpering you feel for him in a weird way even though he's such an ass yeah, but you do. Like, yeah, you I do. Felt very uncomfortable. It's hard to watch somebody suffering, even though it's. I'm. I, in my opinion, and maybe that's just the t- kind of person that I am. I just. It's hard to see somebody suffering, even though you feel like they may not have killed people. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. But it. But they are such assholes. But at the same time. You know, when you see them suffering it and really like feeling emotional turmoil, it's 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 not easy to watch. Mm. And, I, and I think the show does a good job of illustrating that. So when we see all the examples of which Eugene really tries to be a contributing factor and see him essentially fail, you know, you do feel for him. And, and I think maybe that's one of the key reasons why why he doesn't rat out Dwight is that because maybe he's right. You know, maybe mm. do nothing, you know, really is the best thing. There is that point where Eugene is basically talking to Negan, touting all the things that like, oh, well, you know, I got a, he's got a plan for how to get them out of there, how to get rid of the walkers or whatever. And, you know, Negan's just, you know, eating it up and just sort of like, God, you know, you are magnificent and like, man, and this and whatever. And, um, and you get the impression that Eugene is ready to basically offer the information on Dwight. And, you know, the, the lieutenants come in and you can get the impression that Dwight was kind of waiting for it to happen. He was waiting for Eugene to do it. You know, like he kind of like resigned himself that this was that this is a possibility. And of course, Eugene doesn't do it. You know, he he can't do it. You know, because Eugene's not brave. And you can tell that Negan sort of like knows that there must have been something else that he was going to say. You know, he's like, all right, yeah, yeah. Because I know we were talking about before, but his one pure act of bravery is defying Dwight and, and trying to save people. But I think maybe part of me thinks that having a taste of bravery and defying things has given him a sense of courage. You know, maybe it's it causes him to suffer, but I still think he wants to survive. But I think maybe he's had a taste for bravery, yeah. you know, and, and he didn't get hurt from it. Right. So maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's not a matter of cowardice, but maybe there's like I can be this way without throwing somebody under the bus. That which is why I agree with you. This is probably the most unknown I, I've ever felt about where this could go because there, yeah. you have these three options and none of them are, are great. And but none of them, there's no real indicator where this is going to go because no. it could go in any. Direction. Yeah, yeah. direction which i i like i i 
I like the fact that it's keeping us on our toes. Like, I don't necessarily know what direction they're going to go with this. Yeah, it's not just vague to be vague. There's genu- There's a genuine investment in any of these three options. Yeah. But you know what else What else really gets me is that it's something I noticed while, for, after watching the show a second time is that the only time he mentioned something cranks his shaft, quote unquote. So the first time he mentioned it in, the, in this episode was surviving. And right. the second time he mentions it is when he covers for Dwight fixing the in- intercom system. Mm. And he says, oh, that kind of thing really cranks my shaft. It does make me think that there's some sort of connection to that you know like you wouldn't say like I know that even a writer wouldn't say something like that twice in the same episode if there wasn't some sort of significance right fixing the intercom it could be something very small like Mm -hmm. you know sparing you and sparing you from Negan right really cranks my shaft you know that sort of thing it could mean that he has a plan he doesn't like that he has to do it which which explains the next scene like I don't like that I have to do this plan because it's hard you know I don't want to have to either kill people or have to throw it or it's hard because in order to save everybody I have to do something that's very hard and it may even mean self-sacrifice yeah so because we have the Sasha the the imagery of Sasha you know so there are so many places where this can go and it may even be a situation where where Eugene is realizing that he has to sacrifice himself in order to get all these parties to not kill each other there's so many places where this can go just simply because of these little illusions you know so they have done a very good job and not just one of those brick wall kind of jobs where they just throw a brick wall in front of something and say oh you're not going to know what happens next no this it's like they give you so many options that you're like not sure and they're genuine ways out and they're they're genuine they're completely potential they're completely feasible completely yeah and and part of part of it like it's it's funny because you want to you want to believe in the hype that that eugene is buying you know the the whole saviors and negan and and committing to that cult because that seems to be the obvious choice he really does seem to want to save people and he does seem to cling to Negan right yeah but part of me is like oh that's yeah it's got to be misdirection you know <laughs> like yeah he, you know he's he's really doing this but he doesn't really want to do it but blah 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 so it, it's going to turn out that he wants to do something awful you know and like he's, he's oh he's really with Rick but like that's I don't think it's that simple and I no, think I the think show exactly illustrates true. that it's not that simple hence no. the boot and rally scene <laughs> you know right it is the, not that simple yeah yeah so I, I really think that's like the most perfect place to leave this off on you know this yeah. whole Eugene centric episode part of the episode because right. we we do have to touch on the terrible part at least yeah I mean that was just stupid I mean I <laughs> I I'm <laughs> no because I mean just stop talking about it because it makes me mad <laughs> so that whole piece was just, I mean you want to talk about believable and not believable Ooh, I okay. just have such a hard time reconciling the thought process and decision making that led them to this position you have your fearless leader unless well we know that Daryl and Rick are not seeing eye to eye. We know that. Right. We know that they've come to blows over it. They are in very different places on what they believe the best course of action is. And obviously, Daryl's kind of through listening to any sort of direction and orders. He's taking matters into his own hands. Right. But it's sort of like we've gone down this road before. Right. And haven't we learned that this sort of impulsive behavior, this reckless sort of behavior, usually doesn't amount to a whole lot of success. And A couple times uh, over, too. Yes. And, I mean, I'm glad that Rosita and Michonne came to their senses, but... At the same time, I was like, you guys drove two hours to see the sanctuary and that was it. You know, you just wanted to go and see it. That seems like not the most logical thing to do, but okay. Yeah. You know, but Daryl and Tara just deciding to go in there and Morgan too. Let's not forget that Morgan was 
there as sniper for them. Yeah, I would so like to he- start with that because it, it is kind of cool. To me, it's cool that Morgan is smart enough to know himself. Yes. Enough so that he can still participate. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that he stays purposely far away from everybody to not be on the ground killing people because he's a fierce machine. I don't, even, I don't even think it's a political commentary, but there is something to be said about guns in general. Right. It's that a gun isn't the same as, as stabbing somebody or, or, or inflicting no. harm on somebody in person. It's an instant, yeah. it can be an instant kill machine. It is. And, it's, it's something that, I mean, and that's why a lot of people just don't necessarily respect people that fight using a gun as a weapon because it's very easy to sit behind a tree or a rock and then just kind of pull out a gun and just fire at will you know like that's a very easy thing to do right and take somebody's wallet or something (laughs) yeah sure exactly but the idea of being martial and being equipped to fight and defend yourself i mean we've seen our main characters being able to physically fight you know yeah Um, yeah we've always seen rick do it we've seen michonne do it we've seen maggie do it we've seen carol do it we've seen jesus do it like i mean we've seen yeah we see for the most part most of our big characters are able to to hold their own basically With or um, without, with or without guns, it doesn't matter, and that's yeah, that that is the truth. That and especially Morgan true. too. Morgan, yeah, Morgan is a specific example, just like Jesus, because he yeah. uses guns and he uses martial arts or Aikido. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And he and Morgan isn't necessarily the kind of character that always has a gun on them. Like that's not no. his way. That is not his way. I mean, it is now. <laughs> Again. Yeah, it is now. Yeah. But, but, but it's, it is the idea that he, he knows he can't be on the ground. Right. He knows he can't be facing people up close and personal because he will just be a killing machine. Right. But I think part of him needs to distance himself, literally, by sure. sniping, mm-hmm. you know, to in order to defend at the very least. Like, okay, I'm going to just make sure this gets done because I don't want to be that person again. There's right. just something beautiful about that, you know? Yeah. And to know that he isn't broken. No. There's a malfunction. <laughs> Yes. There's definitely a malfunction, but it's you do see him and he does seem to be sober minded at the very least. Yeah. He gets it. He knows what's wrong with him and he, he works to correct it. He understands and I mean and he said it in that episode with Jesus and I think it was such a good line when he said it that I may not be all right, but I'm not wrong. Exactly, exactly and, right. And I think that that was such an awesome line because it's true. I mean, he definitely has his demons that he's dealing with and he isn't necessarily all there, but he's not necessarily wrong in his thought process because, you know, in right. reality, he's on the same page as Tara. He's on the same page as Daryl. Like, he's not alone in his thinking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like he may not be as equipped as Tara and Daryl to right. do the thing. And I didn't realize that at the time how uniquely self-aware he was in that moment because I assumed he was just gone for a, a, several episodes because right. it seems like oh I need to be gone, gone. You know, right? Exactly. For a while, you know. And but to see him in that next, it, not in the next episode, but the the episode after tells me oh that statement was more self-aware than than I I understood then, at first. Right. You know? And it's kind yeah. of beautiful, like to see yeah. somebody like if you think about comparing Morgan let's say with Carol because right. Carol was having a really really hard time Carol yes. look I'm not and I, I I don't want people to think that I should on Carol because yeah. just speaking for myself mm-hmm. I know that sometimes it takes me a while to kind of come around to certain ideas or certain systems you know it takes me a little while to adopt sure. them you know I need to get the rhythms and you know I'm like a, I'm a lot like a Carol when it comes to getting over things and Carol was not, out of the picture you, for a while are you not good with change because I am terrible with change yeah I mean in some ways I'm, I'm not good with change like in some ways I, I adopt to change really quickly I sometimes embrace it and then go full into it like I, mm-hmm. I not only adopt change 
change, but I embrace it and mm-hmm. and really fully it up. But some things, like it's like habits, right? Some sure. habits are hard to break for me, and then right. I have to adopt certain systems, and they take a little while to, for me to acclimate to. But I I work hard at it, and you know what? To really kind of crystallize this idea, in the past, you know, when I've broken up with uh, a girlfriend, let's say, right, it takes me a very long time to grieve. And that's just my way, and I accept it because if because not accepting it and being really self-flagellating about it is harmful. And I learned that after a while. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not. It's not that I'm, you know, broken. You know, You're this mourning. is just the way I am. I just I mourn. It takes me a little while. I get it out of my system. I learn something about myself after a while. I start picking uh, picking the good memories. And that's that's just me. And so yeah. and we do see the contrast between Carol and Morgan because Carol has a really really hard. She just needs to be alone for a long yes, time. Yes. You know, and then maybe. She can re-enter a different way, which right. is ideal. I, I think people need to do that. And I think having Morgan snap back so quickly, at least, mm-hmm. it shows us that all the training he did with Eastman, it's not gone. And that's know. something that I was very concerned about. You know, it's yes. not reverted to this. Anim- yeah, there are triggers. You can't get over these things in, in a blink of an eye. But he has the tools to be able to come back. And I was surprised. I'm actually very surprised that we're focusing that much on Morgan here. Mm-hmm. But there is so much to be said about this idea. You know, oh, yeah. In, in, in our waking life you know yeah i mean i think he he's he's his belief system is not completely completely out the door for sure he hasn't thrown his beliefs his, his belief system to the wayside in light of everything that's going on like no is it difficult sure yeah oh god yeah he knows himself enough to know what yes. to do to know what to stay away from and i think that's awesome yeah that's knowing yourself but getting back to the crew though it's to, to the tarot crew which is what i'm going to call it just the way it is <laughs> Makes sense. you know as much as i agree with you completely and i think that the writers kind of write it that way yeah. like they they want you to be like what are you doing stop exactly. it you know like they make it very obvious too like it's oh like, yeah what are you doing and why are you putting yourselves in yeah. harm's way it's it's right. it's the classic wolf behind you know behind you thing you're like oh well yeah. why don't you see it why but, you know, are you like, running into the woods yeah exactly look behind you like they don't yeah. know you have to kind of appreciate how rosie <laughs> Is something like she has learned from this situation yes you know it was hard for her to say what she said you know like mm-hmm. because she is look she is the mama to the abraham papa to eugene's son yeah. thing like she was fierce man she yeah. was capable and fierce mm-hmm. and is ruthless and she wants to protect everybody she wants to be a mama bear you yep. know she she went to to the sanctuary with sasha she did that she tried to take out negan with that bullet she got punished for that she kept yeah. trying yeah she, she, she did. did not stop nope. so to have her admit that is very powerful you know, not powerful from enough her. to stop I'm going to say Terrell sorry Terrell um, but it was powerful enough for Michonne oh you know, yeah some, you have to kind of appreciate that that the writers left a little room for sanity you know like yes. or to, for bravery let's say mm-hmm. even. yeah when this whole scene was unfolding I just thought to myself especially in the case of Rosita it's like we've been down this road you went down this road with Sasha are we really going to do this again so I'm glad that she kind of came to her senses Michonne came to her senses and you know Terrell did what they did honestly Honestly, I, I feel like Daryl was a little apprehensive about doing this, but I think Tara egged him on. He seemed to be sitting yeah. kind of like in the in that van, like, uh, like just a, a little apprehensive about what he was about to do. Yeah, and you, you kind of see that actually, uh, and I didn't even write this down, but I thought I was going to, and I said, like, yeah, I won't write it down. But when Michonne actually leaves, when she actually yeah. backs out in the end, and she says some really cool things about that as well. She says, I originally wanted to come here because I wanted to see that, that things are working. And she realized that I don't get to decide that. 
that. You know, like I don't have control of that. All right. I can hope is that it's going to work. But now that I'm here, I see that things are working now. Right. What you're doing right now could jeopardize that. Yeah. And, I, and like you said, it does make him pause. And what really makes me think it makes him pause, it's this little one thing. And I don't even know if it's actually a real thing. Kind of like mm -hmm. when Morgan flipped out <laughs> and Tara made that face. It could be an actor flub. Mm -hmm. But as she's leaving the truck and she closes the door, Daryl kind of flinches a little bit because he's staring out into space. And he's, mm. you know, it shows to me that A, he's listening to her. Yeah. And He's, he's letting her go. He's not giving mm -hmm. her any guff about it. No. No. No, no, no. But but then as she slams the door, he kind of ju jumps just a little bit to make mm -hmm. me think that like she has reached him in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, even though they end up committing what they commit, mm -hmm. you know, he's he's committed. You know, it does make me think it, it reached him in a, in a way. And maybe that might play out later. Something tells me that Dwight and Daryl are going to butt heads. Tara's going to get so. involved. And I literally wrote, Tara is like literally the devil on Daryl's shoulder. Yeah, she's the a little, yeah, around with a pitchfork, you know, yeah. eager, smiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's like, doing come on, this. we can do it. Like, don't listen to them. We got this. Yeah, and you. <laughs> We'll just poke him in the duckus, you know, like <laughs> with my little pitchfork. I, I wanted to shake Tara in this oh episode. Not even shake. Like when you get beyond that, and you're like almost afraid of her because she's so enthralled with this plan. And yeah, you know, like, my thing I'm, was I'm a little, just like, like backing away slowly. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, come on, Daryl. I'm like, you, you have been through some battles, through some serious stuff. I'm like, Tara has not. Tara has seen a fraction of what you've seen. You know, she hasn't been in the midst of of the kind of battles with like the governor and with the freaking termites and you know and now you know this and whatever it's like you know you've been in some stuff Ugh. you've had to you've had to kind of cut your brother off and then see that he kind of saved you in the end that sort of thing or right. you know it's I mean, it's you've gone through some serious stuff. Whereas Tara, I'm like, I I just find her so flighty in terms of her personality that I'm just like, you know, like if I was in oh, the Rick Grimes team, a character takedown by Carol. <laughs> I'm sorry, if I was in the Rick Grimes team, I feel like we'd be in Alexandria hanging around, and Tara comes over and says hi and starts talking. And in your head, you should be thinking, why are you still here? How are you still here? You know, you know it's like. But you know what? It made me think of something watching it the second time around. And there's two things. There's two operating principles. One I just thought of now, but another which I wrote down. And I'll, let me get to the one I wrote down first. You have to kind of take into account a couple of things. One is that, yes, Denise was just senselessly taken out by Dwight. Right. I get that. Okay. That was pretty shocking. That's part of it. The second part of that first part is that she was totally duped by the governor. And I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah, you know? she was. She was and, very And much. there's, you know, and you know how, you know how it is when you've been duped, stooped by yeah. somebody. Yeah. You feel Deceived. awful. Yeah. You feel like you could have done something about it. You could not have imagined how much you were taken for a ride. Yeah. And and the way it was done was probably the most horrible thing. The, mo the thing that probably stuck with her the most. Yeah. And probably the reason why she misses Glenn the most. And, and it was the idea that this, who is this guy that cuts off this old defenseless yeah. man's head? Yeah. You know, so it made me flash to that moment. And, and it made me think if I was Tara, I would probably be thinking the same way. I'm just sick and tired of, of making the wrong mistake. Yeah. Being trick being behind the curve not feeling like i can hold my own and and, yeah. and and able to contribute and the second part of this analysis is that the analysis juice is that are you sick of it yet is yeah. that 
<laughs> it, it allows you to flip back to Eugene, right? You know, and how these these two contrasting characters are really trying to play these strengths. You know, yeah. Tara is trying to embrace this idea of I'm just sick and tired of stay, sitting on my ass being tricked. You know, being right. not being contributing. You know, trying to fit this mold. And, and I'm really, I really have to start embracing a little bit of this brutality and not be so soft because people are dying. You know, right. like I just want to get it. And, and all these people are thinking the same thing, but they're going about it. They're, they're different. And very, ways. very different ways. Yeah. yeah, but she embraces this one thing, which is to just, I just need to get it done. Daryl's on board. He just needs to get it done, too, for yeah. different reasons, obviously, right. you know? So, And they're doing it for themselves, yeah. you know, a little bit. You know, Tara has her own reasons. Like, she's doing it because of this. Daryl's doing it because oh. it's payback. You know, Michonne's doing it right. because she just wants Rick to be safe in the future to be set in stone. Rosita is, she's got too many reasons, you right. know? Yeah. So it's it's just fascinating to see these these two comparisons between, between Tara and, uh, sorry, not Tara. Uh, so yeah, Tara and Eugene, like seeing the, the desire to be a contributing member, but also to be to be brave, you know, like yeah. to, to not be duped anymore, to not live under heel, you know, and right. She's 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 carving her own path, whereas Eugene is just embracing the path that's been laid out in front of him. So right. it's just interesting to see those two things together. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and as we know, Daryl and Tara, Tara drive that truck into the sanctuary and all hell breaks loose. Woo boy. Let's talk about just that for now because could we see the scene where they kind of enter the place and we know yes. that they're kind of limited to the bottom floor because the stairs right. are piled up with too many walker bodies, right? Yes. But I'll tell you what I feel right off the bat. Okay. And that's, that's I do feel like at the end of the day, in spite of all the us trying to say stop doing this, mm -hmm. I feel like part of me thinks that it's a net good. Like, yeah, it's it's stupid and, mm -hmm. and what they do is reckless. But I think part of me thinks that had they not done it, they would not have, first of all, they would not have known that this plan would work right i don't think i don't think the workers are harmed but what i do think is that it really accelerated the plan right you know it really solidified the plan there's a part of me that is worried that it's it ruined it in some ways like maybe the garbage truck crashing into the the factory floor also accelerated negan's escape to the bullet making factory let's say yeah it, it gave him my, a means I'm, to do that and that's my speculation right that is totally my speculation. It's my like speculation. that, literally, almost a double-edged sword. You know? It, yeah. It, yeah. Mean, you may have accelerated the process, but you also gave Negan an out. You gave him an opening to escape, and I fully believe that they did. And glad we're on the same page. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen this, all the time. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time, but we are in line. I I don't want to get into what I think until we get more towards the end and, and talk more predictions because um, for the next episode, because I, I do have my suspicions on what I think happened because obviously, you know, in the end we see Rick looking and seeing the aftermath of what happened. He, you know, he sees the, the truck crashed oh, into yeah. the, the wall and everything is empty. Everybody's right. gone. The walkers are gone. There's no people around. He well, he must no be thinking in that moment too. Well, you oh, know, yeah. let's let's pause for a second and start from the top of that because mm -hmm. we see Rick in the um in the shipping container. I finally figured mm -hmm. out the word. Yes. <laughs> like the way, remember, I was struggling with it last week. Yes. And um, I was like, oh, the thing with the walls and it's metal. I, was, I get it. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm glad. I mean, yeah, you do. But at the time, I didn't really know language at 2 a.m. <laughs> we have to appreciate how strange these people are too. They they really literally just take him out to take a couple of old timey photos with uh, of him. So before you yes. know and then the sketches to sculpt him later or after <laughs> or after after what yeah like after sculpt you so strange 
strange. People are so strange. I don't, I don't kind understand. Of weird. I'm kind of like liking it in a weird way now. I, I don't I don't because know it's why. Because it's so bizarre. Because it's so bizarre. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's past the point of slightly of understanding witty. even. Yeah, no. It makes no sense. I mean, it's, we're it, not that far removed from the apocalypse that there's no comprehension of the English language anymore. Like it just makes no sense. I want these people to be former members of the Church of Scientology for some reason. <laughs> Like That'd be great. L. Ron Hubbardists or something. That would be great. I would, would love awesome. something like that. It's like, yes. And exactly. how, how, how willing would, would you be to accept that at that point? Like, okay, I get it now. It's, and then it, I'd it's be like, fine. yep. Oh, yeah. I'm on then, board. Because then I'd feel like, okay, now we have some sort of inkling. Because otherwise, <laughs> it's like, how are all these people dressed in black garb and talking like this? I need to understand why. This is like, <laughs> this is like the first cultish group that we've seen, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's that you really literally there's nobody in the show that has been remotely that that way that way at all. except for the wolves level. let's just let's uh, we have to mention the wolves too the because wolves, the wolves had that are their the own wo- way yeah but they had their own way and they basically there they they went in and they stormed in and they killed people and they come to gettings but they at least spoke in in, in sentences like it just made it, it just made more sense that's the true. wolves the wolves i understood these people don't understand wow don't. but you know actually so here's here's the question of the day carol <laughs> if you had to be locked in the room with jadis or locked in the room with the wolves who would you rather be locked in the room with i guess jadis <laughs> see I, I'm, I'm gonna guess jadis yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta, you gotta pick your uh, the yeah. lesser of two evils here man yeah she's like as much odd. as you get brutality because of this show because it teaches you with brutality is yes. um, i would opt for strange over brutality I guess. yeah for sure i'll take yeah. strange I'll, I'll take strange i'll take comic relief for one Alex for 100. So, so strange. But yes, he's in the hot box in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, Daryl style. (laughs) You know, I I love that callback. I love that that he's being treated practically the same way. Literally, the door door of the trailer had the A on it. Yeah. Just like uh, Daryl had the A on it. It's very very weird. It's very, I don't know what they're doing. Are are they emulating? Are they playing a copycat game? I know I I kind of had this theory last week about how they're the the bigger threat. Right. But maybe I'll scale it back a little. I still think they're a threat. I think they're formidable. Mm -hmm. They're obviously formidable. You know, they have like a a different kind of strength, you know, in in character and in in their ability to move in and out of situations and have a hive mind almost. They're like they're almost leading by committee too, if you've noticed. Yes, it's very you know, weird. Like, like Jadis isn't necessarily kind of the leader. They do kind of right. take it. You know, they each yeah. have kind of an input. Mm-hmm. You know, in it's large part, strange. she is kind of leading. I, I just noticed, noticed hints of like them not having too much of a central leadership. Like no. this guy chimes in, that guy chimes in. You know, this guy says you should do that. Like doesn't say anything, but he kind of alludes that. Oh, uh, hold on a second. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm doing that. Like I'm still sketching. You know, that sort of. You know, so I I feel like she does. Does, they do listen to her listen as if they talk they do kind of <laughs> talk, they kind of pay attention to her moves because they do respect her but I think it strikes me that they, they might be leading a little bit by committee like some yeah. of these guys like even the guy that said uh, something about dreams the other week oh yeah he, like when I looked at him and I listened to him like oh could this guy be the secret leader the, the leader above mm-hmm. her because he kind of spoke like that he spoke like he was some sage of, of some kind mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. I don't know I, it's just I thought it was no, noteworthy the, the strangeness in the in this group there's i'm just still still trying to figure them out and, and yeah. 
things, these little things kind of fascinate me. It is. It's interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. just very bizarre. So uh, time for after. <laughs> I guess this is what they meant by after using... Uh, yeah. Winslow 2.0. Beta Winslow. Like yeah. what they thought of before Winslow, before Rick took down Winslow. <laughs> so strange. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of like a minor version of him. Mm-hmm. Like pro, proto. Sorry, I should have said proto Winslow. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> we thought of this idea first, so we'll just, we might as well trot him out now. Why um, not? Yeah. He's, he's more mobile than, than Pitt Winslow. So. Yes. <laughs> I find it fascinating. First of all, when they first open the door to the, mm-hmm. uh, the shipping container, Rick still gives him a chance, you mm-hmm. know, which again, so fascinating. He, he, he could have just said anything. He could have, he could have painted this a completely different way. Yeah. He could have been begging for his life for all I know, but he does it then and he does it still after he defeats Proto Winslow, you know, yeah. and, and all these people like almost getting shot by Jadis. Yeah. You know, he still gives them an out. He still does. And it, it does say something about how desperate he is for his people. Like, I think yeah. that moment with baby daddy and Gracie, it does kind of go back to that, like how much he snapped out of it and how, how committed he is to not having people die again under yeah. his watch, you know? And not only that, but to be less indiscriminate. Because he could have killed all those people, by the way. Yeah. All those people he kind of knocked out and took mm-hmm. He could have mm-hmm. killed Jadis, too, and just forced, yeah. forced the rest of them to kind of come to reason. Yeah. You know, but he Pretty didn't. much, no. And they would have respected it too like he could have he could have done that and gotten them to come along i'm firmly convinced that you could have just taken jadis out of the equation and gotten them to come along yeah you know? no i agree but there is something to be said about him giving them a chance and, yeah. and it kind of goes back to the plan all the plan hinges on the idea that we're going to starve them out we're not going to necessarily kill all of them right you know that's not what a new world is going to bring about you know we right. need to kind of give them a chance i agree she does say join you what then and here There's comes this, the bargaining yeah here comes the what do i get out of it sort of thing oh jesus and it's kind of amazing to me that she agrees to a fourth of the take which is also interesting because you have alexandria hilltop kingdom and now you have the junkyard gang mm-hmm. so it would be jock <laughs> <laughs> Stop getting to my jack, Carol. Ah, I don't know how I feel about that. No, yeah, well, you know, I, I expect as much. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's nice to see that <laughs> Rick's patience paid off. Let's just put it that way. Yes. If she could have just done it all over again, and I would have been right, and I didn't want to be right about the junkyard gang being the bigger threat. But, yeah. you know, there's the, thank God. But then, yeah, it, it's like you were about to say before. It's they, they agree to a small party to check out, to survey the damage, to see if they're really all going to come together. Right. And they get to one lookout post, and they see that at the lookout post, he, uh, one, of the, one of the guys is hanging upside down and being eaten by walkers and he's trying to get people on the walkie and no go nobody's answering and that worries me the most actually even even more than him seeing the sanctuary empty i just want want to know what you think about that because about about the, about the fact that he didn't get through to anybody on the walkie talkies yeah because that seems to be more relevant to me than than the yeah yeah i mean well i think it's all connected i mean i feel like the concern there is like what happened to those snipers i mean obviously we see one of them clearly was you know being eaten by like walkers but that's kind of like a, the question it's like what happened yeah, you know like we guy? who got to these people like what did they run did they, because we don't know how long of time transpired between the time that daryl and tara drove the truck into the sanctuary and, and when rick captured. comes right and when rick comes and sees the aftermath we don't know how much time passed in Dude. between those two points so what happened i don't know like <laughs> i i mean Dude, like, you're on the same page because i wrote that down as well I'm like oh this could be one of those things where 
where he'd been captured. He'd been in there for like at least a day plus. And we know that all this stuff happened not within a day, but like uh, the walkers had been there at least a night, you know, starving them out and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we were were on the same page. Like we don't know how many days slash hours plus uh, he's been there. And so it makes me think that he could be coming out a full day or half a day after they they ran the, the garbage truck. And that's a really interesting point because I'd be curious to see time-wise how does that work like you know it's no secret there's a lot of like still images from like the mid-season finale and things like that and yeah. we don't we know see, that that much right I don't see too many images of Rick in the, in oh, the no. photos I don't so it makes yeah. me wonder from a timing perspective oh, shoot. maybe maybe Rick was in that shipping container for you know I, I mean I don't know maybe a day let's say maybe um, longer you're saying or, or who knows but maybe like maybe a lot transpired during that time that he was there Eugene enacted his plan whatever that right. plan was to get you know Negan and maybe some of the lieutenants out of harm's way and some of the workers and all of that and, and leave the herd away somehow I don't know how but maybe all that happened and whatever sort of counterattack because there's going to be a counterattack like let's <laughs> like no not trying to spoil anything but let's be realistic you know it's like there will be some sort of pushback for this yeah, and, and we did get a peak of that too we did we did get like, like there was, or a, hint there of was that. a hint of it yes so i mean i wonder if all of that happens while rick's in that storage container and when he comes out we're seeing the aftermath of whatever yeah. it was that happened i wonder because we don't know how much time really transpired at the point that he he's he sees this I know. It'll be interesting to see. You took what I wrote down to actually another level. I'd assume, but I wasn't about to say it, but now I'm going to, is that the amount of time that passed was enough time for Negan to get Eugene to the factory, but not to get to Alexandria. That's not what I was thinking. But now you're making me think that this is this may be on post. I'm just throwing it out there because I, I, if I if I think about like the still images that I've seen, I've seen a lot of images of almost every other person other than Rick. I, I think I've seen like maybe one photo of Rick. I get the impression that the photo that I saw was more along the lines of Rick arriving at Alexandria, but everything that potentially happened has already happened. So I don't know if he gets there in time for whatever it is that transpires. But I do believe that we're going to have an understanding of what this whole let my mercy prevail uh, prevail above my wrath. Like oh, I no, think that that Carol. teary-eyed scene that in the flash in the in the first episode, I think we're going to see it. In, the in the flash forward that we saw in the first episode when one of them all at least teer- yeah the one where he's all teary-eyed and and says the whole like may my mercy per- prevail over my wrath i think that that's happening in this episode coming up oh, i do no so i think that he is going to arrive and see something that he is, is is going to shake him to his core and while we're on the topic i'm gonna put it out there i'm gonna say mm-hmm. it right now <laughs> I wish I had a bell. I so wish I had a bell. I'm going to get one from Amazon. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> no, I, here's what I'm saying. I feel that my prediction is that Eugene enacts his plan, gets him out of there. I think that they do go to Alexandria. I personally think that they, they will bomb Alexandria. I think that they don't necessarily have the wow. weapons that they had, but I think that they might throw like grenades or something because oh, like Eugene made grenades or something could be because I mean the images that I've seen especially the ones at nighttime it looks like they, there's like light on their faces and it almost mm. gives me the impression of almost like a fire the light that you that would be reflected From a of a fire, fire yeah. so I I feel that 
Right. Yes. I feel like they may not have their weapons, but I think that they might concoct some sort of explosives because it can be done. And I mean, yeah. Eugene is one of those anarchist cookbook type guys that I'm sure yeah. he can be. The if Jolly I ever Roger. saw one. If I ever saw one, you know. So it's like, I'm sure, you know, he could probably come up with some sort of concoctions of explosives that they could use. So I think that they do that. And I think that Rick doesn't arrive until the aftermath of when it's all said and done. And I think that we're going to see Judith and Carl dead. Ooh. But, see, I was but, thinking Judith. But, but I don't. Okay. But here's, the ca- but here's the caveat to it. I think that we're going to see Judith and Carl dead. But I think that it's going to be a fake out and Carl's not really going to be dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we're not going to. But we're not going to find out until February. (laughs) That's basically so cruel. That's basically what I think they're going to do. I think the aftermath will be that we'll see Carl and Judith laid out like as if they're dead, and I think Judith will be, and I think that Carl might survive. And we, but we won't know that until they come back in February. Hey, you know what the good news is? Mm -hmm. We'll see a baby Walker. Oh no, (laughs) no. Hey, you got to take advantage of it. You know, not a lot of babies in this world. Oh no, that would be so disturbing. That would be oh stop it. No, so cruel, so cruel. But no, that is, um, um, I have thought about it long and hard. I have studied the images. I've thought about this and I am that's what I'm going with because we know that they're like the shocker the moment it's going to be so shocking whatever I think that that's what it is I think that that's what it is because think about it there is no thank you there is no (laughs) other character death to me that would be like as shocking as Rick's children I don't think so I don't think that there's any other character Gabriel dying is not a shocker like any of these other characters dying would not be some sort of like (gasps) Right, like, uh, but it's kind of shock. Yeah, they're yeah, on their way would, out. Yeah, I mean, it's like it. It, it wouldn't. I mean, it, it would be surprising, but it wouldn't be, you know, shocking. But I know that there are a lot of people that say, like, you know, the shocking moment may not necessarily be a death. It may be the whole. Where is this helicopter? What What is this helicopter about? That potentially could be the shocking, you know, portion too. Which is oh me, oh my. Yeah. I I'm hoping because it's like I need to know more about that helicopter. And really who do. knows if we are going to know more about that? I know. I'm hoping yeah, they could do that. By the way, they could just not have it oh, I know. that would they be could. an acceptable move that, they've well done respected. that before they've done that before i mean we like we haven't seen heath <laughs> heath is the one flying the helicopter it's <laughs> the surprise <laughs> heath is gonna come in on a helicopter comes out That's in a full just... two-button suit or whatever and yeah yeah three-piece suit straight from the set of 24 ready to like <laughs> good one come in and save everybody <laughs> gonna be heath oh, he's in the helicopter so good oh yeah that's the shocker <laughs> i was working for the government the entire time working for the government, the government of saudi arabia the whole time the whole time <laughs> uh, that's that's it and there's your crossover <laughs> revolution with 24 <laughs> oh yeah with 24 my bad my bad sorry i just started to bleed all these three things at once ah uh, yeah. yeah the government's turned off all electricity oh uh, but yeah, that's basically what I think. I, I sincerely, like, the more I think about it, the more I think that Rick may have been in that trailer for some time. I don't know. It's totally possible. Like, wow. they, they like to play around with time like that sometimes, you know? Yeah. So we don't necessarily know. Like This, this further solidifies this whole Tantra death thing. Because if Judith and Carl are the ones that are taken out, it's it, it would be major. It would be it a would huge be, blow. It would this. be a huge 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 blow it would be 
and i mean like i said it's like i i do think that the judith death is very much on the table just because judith isn't alive in the comics at this point right. she she already has been killed during the, the governor's raid on the prison so like at the end of the day like that's very much an option and in the case of carl i think it would be a fake out i think it would be a situation where we're left kind of hanging like oh my god is he dead too and then we find out maybe afterwards that that he did make it because i don't think that carl would be killed off i think that carl is way too of an important character to necessarily be killed off but i think the fact that rick repeats what sadiq said of the of, of the line about mercy i just feel like it, it's that was a moment between him sadiq and carl yeah, so these, these three different types of characters yeah you know the what is it the, the in dungeons and dragons it's the uh the good good the like bad good and the bad bad kind of yeah, characters yeah. i i don't remember exactly what it is but it's the you have these like mixtures of six different ty- type of archetypes yes. but the major three ones are the 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 rightful good the wrongful good that kind of yes, thing yes. and like the wrongful wrong that kind of thing the, those are the major three that most right. people like to play yeah, out of the six but yes. yeah it's it, you see the you see the different types and and it's ugh, the extremes, yeah. but also the middle that Rick tries to walk, you know? Right. He tries to maintain that line of, of fairness. You know, yeah. he, he tries to kind of, of justice. He was a sheriff, you know? Yeah. But I, I think that something like that happening would be something that could shake him. Well, that would obviously shake him to his core and, and bring him to that to that point. Because I, I feel like that's the other thing that I was reading, that it's like, oh, it was death. As, as shocking as Glenn's, I was like, what other death? could be as shocking as what happened with Glenn. That was, you know, pretty unforgettable. No, that was not something that has that has been forgotten and won't yeah. be. But in terms of like on that level of something that would really leave a lasting impression, I gotta think that that would be it. Or as we're, as we're talking about it, the only other thing I could think of is that it would be more along the lines of Carl actually losing that arm, you know? Could after, be. After two threats, you know? Yeah, could And be. that would really stick with Rick too. Um, oh, yeah. A- along oh, yeah. with Judith you yeah, know? no. Anything happening to his children would definitely be a huge blow. So even if it's a, some a situation like that where Carl isn't killed but severely injured, oh yeah, yeah for sure. Injured, like, yeah, but severely disfigured, right? And the thing is, it's like the show has done those moments, and and they've taken them from the comic fairly well. Like when they had the situation with the horde in Alexandria and Sam. <sighs> Sam. taking away a kid i mean they're not afraid to do that no but also in in the sense that like you know when carl was having his little scuffle with the older brother and you know and, and you All know right. michonne kills him but you know not in time before he shoots him and you see carl turn and you and turn around and you realize that he's been shot through the eye and i remember again side tangent there's a show on Bravo because you know I, I do watch horrible television also besides like wonderful scripts television but so there was a show on Bravo called The People's Couch and it is the one of the best shows ever because all it is is basically watching people watching the same shows we watch on their couch and basically seeing their reaction that's all it is it's mm. like they basically have some different households and they're all watching the same program and they the same episode and yeah mm-hmm. and they just basically see the different reactions that these different households are having on on what they're watching one of the episodes was that they had like these few different households and they were watching that particular episode of the walking dead which i oh, think wow. it was like a mid-season premiere or i don't know it was it was a it was one of the major episodes when the whole horde thing happened and carl got shot in the eye and there was this one household that was hilarious because it was like a wife a father and their teenage son and yeah. carl got shot in the eye and you see it and it's like oh 
the teenage son is like mouth open like oh. the wife puts her head in her hands and like the husband stands up and is like that's it i'm done with this yeah. <laughs> i think that's how a lot of people uh end their relationship with walking the walking dead <laughs> just, that's what happens uh, the three different that, archetypal reactions exactly <laughs> but that but that was another moment that was like yeah that was one that was like oh. like i remember sitting because i had like i read the comic but i did not see it happening that they were going to do it i did not see it happening and when right. it did happen i was like oh wow they're going there <laughs> like, yeah. I like i didn't necessarily i didn't see it coming i didn't it was dramatic it, too like it, it was, was super quite dramatic it was super dramatic you know the way that it was done so i'm very curious to see how how they do this because i think you know they they've had some moments that have been obviously very dramatic very impactful in the way that it's been done and the material of and the story of of exactly what they do but the way that they do it too because it doesn't have to be some kind of grotesque thing it doesn't have to be about that i right honestly even though even though when they they shot carl's eye out it was particularly pronounced and i think that was i think that was a good thing i don't think they should have brushed the fact he got his eye shot without the glenn thing was grotesque like the the glenn death was i i could but not you know yeah it was i could not watch it i could not watch that i I had a hard time but i did watch it it was a it was very difficult to to watch something like that it was it was painful you know and so that stuck with me for all the wrong reasons (laughs) you know and i'm sure and i know a lot of people got rubbed the wrong way with it and you know all that but um yeah i think that there are ways to do things that are just really like i mean when herschel was killed i mean god everybody remembers that you know like that was huge so there's I'm curious to see yeah. what they do and how they do it. Yeah, you know? It goes back to what you said before. They've left it in, in such a place that it's hard to speculate where they're going to go with next right. because there's, they've laid out paths. You know, it's one yes. thing to leave it unknown, yes. but it's a whole other thing to kind of lay out different tracks that they can yes. chug their choo-choo train over, you know, and, and, and go that way. Yes. You know, it's it's like this almost misdirection too because they may go in a completely different direction that we won't see coming. Mm-hmm. And you guys so yeah, i just said exactly. a curse word so now we have to put explicit lyrics that's fine sometimes it has to be said <laughs> right, i guess i can bleep it out but you never know how much some, sometimes it has to be said you know i like I, I i try to be very good with my language when we when we have these podcasts but it's, mm, <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's hard it that's tricky. why i'm here because then i'll do it for you <laughs> and it'll give me free reign <laughs> exactly you can just be you no, i know he did like, it yeah, okay ah get comfortable now awesome yeah somebody but, did it for me yes broke the ice you're welcome thank you <laughs> <laughs> so actually so i didn't write down any real sneak peeks because i didn't no. really see any except for in talking dead and even then it wasn't it was just them and at, at alexandria i believe right yeah there are a few out, trailers you know? that are out right now i think that yes, there's one with right. maggie and jesus which kind of let's gave just, you talk about it. i mean it gives you the same ominous kind of feeling as when glenn was killed because they did the same thing the saviors had knocked down trees to basically block off the roads it's the same right. it's, it's right. their mo which is why maggie kind of immediately is is pretty much aware that it's like it's them they're retaliating they're back out. they're yeah. out you know it definitely gives you that kind of ominous sort of feeling that something ain't right it's a and callback and it's a it's terrifying a- one. It's a terrifying callback to that first episode last season. So it's very oof, that that's jarring. Now there's another trailer with Enid and Aaron. Okay. Now talk to me. I Enid I'm interested. Is, Enid is always a wild card to me. Always a wild card to me oh, because no. I don't.
don't not in a bad way not I, okay. I just don't know I don't have her figured out quite yet and I don't know necessarily because I haven't seen I, I haven't really like looked at the trailer in detail but from what I've seen it's her and Aaron in the car and I think that they trade off driving and then she's driving she's in the driver's seat and I think that then she she takes a turn or something and says that she has something that they need or something but I don't know what that oh, what that is come on. I don't know what that <laughs> what, what does that mean I don't know like what is what do you need I mean you need a lot but what? so I, I don't know necessarily what all that's about and then I think that the last trailer is at Alexandria. I think it has what? Like right. Carl and uh, Michonne at and Alexandria. Negan at the gates. And Negan at the gates. Which I think we got a little bit of a sneak peek of that when they did the whole trailer during the summer at Comic-Con. Because I think that oh. they showed, in that mishmash of different images, They, I think that at one point they showed like Alexandria at nighttime as if you were looking through a peephole and you could see Negan like walking by, you know? I think that that image is like the same one having to do with Negan at the gates this time around. But I, and I think he says when he's at the gates, like, you know, to, if you don't let him in or open the gate, he's going to just friggin' blow up Alexandria. Yeah. Yeah. So I do feel that they have some sort of weaponry. I do. I feel like they have explosives Mm. and I think they're going to use them. I do. Thanks, Eugene. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But this relates to having blood on his hands. Yeah. He will, he will have blood on his hands. Like, I mean, if he, in fact, helps them be able to to replenish their their ammunition and get explosives it's like that is on his his shoulders that is his burden to carry he created that situation so yeah it's kind of like what i said in the episode before and i alluded to this in the uh, the beginning of the show is that i did not want to be right about eugene but i i really do feel that he unlike what you were saying about him in the comics you know yeah. having some bravery i know he he is this is a very big departure very yeah, big departure me, yeah my feeling was that as a tv viewer is that i i kind of thought he was going to lean in this episode indicates that he was leaning in part of me was leaving the door open mm-hmm. obviously with the whole letting dwight go and right. maybe doing nothing you know like mm-hmm. uh, maybe end up doing nothing but yeah my feeling my gut is telling me that like as much as chris hardwick really wants him to kind of turn around i just don't see that happening i don't like, see I, that I, happening. i'm too clear-eyed you know i i don't see that happening i think that he is 100 percent negan i don't think i i think that is it is a big departure from the character in the comics and the and I think that's fine. I think it keeps it interesting, to be honest oh, yeah. with you. You know. Oh yeah. So it's definitely an interesting turn to see. Well, now what happens to Eugene? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, now he's what happens with the enemy show? Number one. Yeah. I mean, he's public enemy number one, basically. Oh God. I mean, he hated, is hated. hated by all ex- Alexandrians, I mean, even further. Hate. Poor Josh McDermott. He is hated oh, by God. like. I mean, oh, he God. gets like he gets hate mail. Like, he's so funny too. Like he's such a fun guy. He is such a funny guy. I feel so bad. I'm like, ah. Oh, well, I'm glad. Like Chris Hardwick always says, he's like, guys, this isn't a documentary. Like, this isn't a, a, a true telling, you know? No, no. Um, historical fact. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had to shut down his Twitter at a certain point. Like, Oh, my God, was, really? Shoot. Yeah. Like, he was I mean, just, like, getting bombarded with stuff. See, I think he should lean in. That's the thing. Like, you know, I, I know it's hard for people because when, when you have the entire world right. throwing hate at you, yeah. I'm sure it's hard. But, like, in yeah. my opinion, I think he really should lean in and i think that would get people to back off a little bit i I think that well yeah i think you have to know how to approach it like i think jeffrey dean morgan embraces it and he's just sort of like he's love for it too and he's what's up with (laughs) because i think he's a very charming villain he's He's very let's be honest 
No. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm married too, so I can, I you know. I'm not dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not dead from the waist down. You know what's up. I know. <laughs> but he's very, he's very charming. He's very, very charming. Yeah. I will true. leave it at that. <laughs> but, but no, you're it's like. You're too good for me, Carol. You're too good. <laughs> I'll admit it, and I'm a guy, and I'm the heterosexual male, and I'll be Good like, for you. Good he's for got you, some Dave. swagger to him that I can he definitely does. dig. He does. He knows how to carry himself. And, and it's funny because he's made the role suited to him. Because yeah. I, I've said it before, it's like, I was very skeptical at first oh, because yeah. I knew what Egan looked like in the comics, and I knew what he was inspired of. You know who inspired the Negan character, right? No, no I do not. Kirkman was a big... You remember Henry Rollins back in the day? Yeah. The metal? That was his inspiration. Kirkman drew up Negan and drew, and designed Negan based off of Henry Lo- Rollins. That was wow. his inspiration. And you, if you look at images in the comic of Negan, you totally oh, see it. You totally oh, wow. see it. But the funny thing was that then, you know, they're bringing Negan to life. Henry Rollins is now, you know, older in acting. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, yes. he's, you know, he's not just a metalhead anymore. Oh, so he no. tried for the role and he didn't get it and he's like how did i not get the role that i was that was created based off of me i was birthed <laughs> to play yeah exactly <laughs> like are you kidding me i didn't you know, know that I, he tried out for the role he's he's generally he like a really good guy yes I, I, but you know yeah. thinking about him thinking about him like i really can't see him playing that role like i can see him it would have been a I different can, portrayal altogether it. it would have been a different yeah. portrayal that's the thing like i think that jeffrey dean morgan has taken that character and made it his own and i think that henry rollins would have been great but it would have been a very different interpretation of yeah. the character. And personally, I think for all his quirks, he's just a generally honest, he, he's true to, a true-to-himself kind of guy. Like, even with everything that he does, comedy, spoken word, uh, yeah. you know, all of the things that he does. So I just don't see him acting that way. I can see him being, but him but being thing cruel is, is hokey to me. The, the thing, in, the Negan in the, in the comics was more of a brute force kind of guy. And, you know, with the leather jacket, the, the hair, and everything, like, it... it Jeffrey Dean Morgan has made Negan to be like this very kind of charming, manipulative sort of mind game sort of guy. Like he's not a, a formidable figure in stature. You know what I right. mean? Like he's not some big dude. Like Henry Rollins is a big dude. Negan in the comics is this big guy. If you were to take straight from comic to screen, it definitely would have made sense to have somebody like Henry Rollins. So that's why at first I was like, really? Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Like I was kind of like, mm. but he's definitely made it his own. And I like his interpretation. Like I like what yeah. he's done with it you know it's almost I, like, I, like, a, like a complete reinvention right yes like oh, it, yeah. that makes way more sense it makes way more sense because a lot of the complaints that people have which makes sense is that you know you can't necessarily take certain things straight from the comics and put it onto screen and it's going to work it just doesn't directly correlate that way like you have to kind of reinterpret it in a little bit of a different way to make it relevant you know yeah. or and, and yeah. make it believable right you know? exactly like, as believable as it can be in a zombie apocalyptic show <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah suspension of disbelief right but exactly (laughs) but i have to ask you i have to ask you a question though then uh because do you generally get the idea or the sense that the comics readers embrace this negan on the tv show i think now they do i think at first they were they did at first i i don't think at first i think at first people were kind of like "Mm." i think that they were really excited to see the character but they were a little apprehensive and i think that at first 
I, I don't think that the show did a great job in giving him a lot of good dialogue. I, I mean, I think that, you know, he came in, you know, he, he killed Glenn and Abraham. And then it was like, oh, you know, it set this like really somber tone. And then you have like, you know, these episodes where he's just kind of basically beating up on downtrodden Daryl and, and Rick. And it was just it was just a lot. I feel like he didn't start to really shine until you got these one-on-one episodes like when he was when he had his time with Carl or when he had his episode with Sasha or or with Eugene when we had those one-on-one episodes I think that's when he really really had an opportunity to shine but when he had those episodes where he's like kind of in Alexandria and bossing everybody around and like yeah you know, like it was just a lot of hostering that was like okay I get it. Mm. <laughs> it it felt a little excessive like okay I get it. You're a jerk. You're an ass. I get it. You know, I don't. It just felt too much, especially because there were a lot of those episodes that were extended episodes. There were numerous episodes that season that were like 90 minutes or whatever, and it was just sort of like I don't need 90 minutes of this. I didn't need 90 minutes of this. Yeah, it was <laughs> me biting my nails and having heart palpitations. By the way, yeah, like this is just too much, you know. Yeah. So I think that now they've kind of and the certain things have become a running joke because he does this lean back thing a lot <laughs> and. It's become a joke. Like he even said it. It's like great. you know, like he's he's like I don't know. I did it a couple of times and it just kind of stuck. And now like it's become like a running joke. It's like Negan and his lean back kind of thing. You know, <laughs> back show my balls. It's <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> that is very much comic book though. That is yeah. very. Is it though? Okay. That's it a, is. And that's what I was wondering. The contrast of, of those two characters, like how how they contrast. Like so. The so are you saying very on point with the comic book? Oh, okay, okay, for sure. But, but, but the one thing that I was wondering was was because you mentioned the the whole the time with Sasha the time with did that yeah. take place in the comics? Yes. Okay, yes. Okay. In, in, almost like in and if I think about the time with Sasha and the time with Carl, that's almost exactly like almost word for word how it happened. Like his time with Sasha in the cell when um what is it Rapey Davy tries to. <laughs> attack her and he basically like you know murders him and all that like yeah, that yeah, d- yeah. directly happens in the comic that happens exactly as it happens in the show happened in the comics the situation with Carl when Carl sneaks to the sanctuary and shoots up some guys and he kind of takes him under his wing takes him around exact same thing happens you know so mm. he shines very much in those episodes because you get to see more of his depth and he's not just a caricature that's the thing it's like I feel like he's he's more developed now he has more dimension and that's kind of what he needed because otherwise then it just becomes kind of cartoonish you know or comic bookish let's just say like right. it, it lends a little bit a lot more believability in reality or you know as much right. reality as we can get from a fictional television show but yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a let's different get to medium know. it's a different a, medium so you yeah. have to adapt it it can't be the same otherwise it just comes off as hokey right know? right as often comics will will sometimes right. do exaggerated right. right but is it but it's believable in a comic because it has to jump off jump off the, the pages for you you know it has to it's not like a novel where you can go into some sort of like long monologues you know describing something it's like you only have like certain panels and imagery to kind of you really have to kind of like commit fully to kind of make this jump to the to the reader you know or to the viewer 
on a show, you know, you don't need to be excessive about it <laughs> because it's it's already there. So yeah, you have to kind of tone it down a little bit to kind of leave leave room for people to kind of walk yeah. through the door. And that's right. Jeffrey Dean Morgan in a nutshell. With that's Morgan. what he's done. He's toned yeah. it down, and also like they've had to tone it down just because they have no other choice. I mean, in the in the comic book, Negan is incredibly vulgar, and I mean like he they don't he doesn't say on the show nearly half of the kind of things that he says in the comic just because it's AMC and you just can't get away with saying some of that stuff. Yeah, they, can, um, they can only say the F word so many times. Or, I know. The I think it's three, well, the F word, I think that they said that you can, they can get away with saying the F word, but they're only allowed three times a season. I don't know why three, but apparently it's, it's a certain number. I don't know how, what kind yeah. of formula or algorithm allows them to decide. <laughs> Cable, that television, FCC, three. Rules. I find that so incredulous, though. Don't you find that kind of crazy, the idea that it's like, you know, we're going to tightly regulate, you know, the F word. However, we can see a character gets his, I'm sorry, his brains bashed in in front of everybody. Oh. I mean, like, <laughs> sorry. But you know what I mean? It's Good like, point. Like, we're cutting half, like, right? Like, weird. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, that is far more like, like, if you want to regulate something. Yeah. yeah. If you want to regulate something, regulate that. I mean, obviously, like. You know, we're all adults here and, and that's fine. But I'm like, I would much rather somebody say, you know what, the, the violence is on is on another level. If, if somebody were like, you know, maybe I should be toned down a little bit, which they did when the Glenn and Abraham episode happened. I get it. Oof. I get yeah. it. You know, I'm not saying that like, oh, my God, yes, we have to change everything. But I understand where they're coming from, because, yes, it was very, very intense. The F word, really? Yeah, like, by I mean, comparison. by yeah. comparison, that's small potatoes based on, like, like, I mean, that's that's nothing compared to what they've shown on that show. Yeah, you know? even, even taking away some of the gratuitous violence and, and gore and all that stuff, let's just go to even the psychological possible damage that, that the show can do. It really forces people to confront really difficult topics, you know, right. really difficult concepts like, uh, like having to be thrust into certain situations. And just the idea of Rick having to bite that guy's ear off in the... Uh, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. The cleaners. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See, there you go. And so having to be forced in those situations where that, that's a possibility. And and yeah. having kids either cheer it on or be horrified or not kids, but like, you yeah. know, young adults. Yeah. I don't think this is a kid show necessarily, but no. Um, None but, issue. But yeah, these are these are high concepts. Like uh, being I mean, Emily, the way Emily Kinney died, even death in itself yeah. is very confrontate confrontational to and to have children right. watch that is forces a conversation makes people think about death in ways that may not be true to life if you're letting as your it kids is watch this show if you're letting yeah. your kids watch this show i'm giving you a side eye as a parent as a fellow parent <laughs> i'm giving you the major side eye but isn't that like the whole I, reason why swearing is kind of uh, taboo is because the off chance that you have children watching it's not really a, a matter of austerity it's the i whole, don't know is it is that where it comes from is that the, i mean the i have to assume it? yeah i but mean because okay it's, it's like network television there's a chance that oh they have access to network see we don't even have access to network television uh, anymore across the country other than through cable services and so even then does the rule even apply anymore i mean we do have hd antennas where we can get local channels now but how many people do you know have an hd antenna i can yeah. count maybe two people that i know of yeah. you know so the rules are completely different now interesting i mean right? i just it, know it that open the door. I just know that for me, when The Walking Dead is on, and as soon as like it starts getting close and they start putting that warning before the show actually starts, first of all, it, it, the TV gets turned on in, in the bedroom, the children are in another room being taken care of by my mother, and the door is locked. <laughs> 
there's nobody <laughs> coming in there to see what goes on. No way. I'm like, there is no way. No, yeah. you're not seeing any of this. No. Yeah, yeah. I think even Jeffrey Dean Morgan like said there was some sort of comic con. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was. It was one of those like conventions or whatever. And, you he know, has people, young children, basically. He, he has young children or he has at least one young children that must be like seven or eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there was a kid at one of these conventions asking him a question. Oh, he was like, where are your parents? <laughs> <laughs> what are you like, doing here? Yes, he's like no, like you don't watch this. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> no but I will say one way. thing: if, if this kid is watching it, like, and he is watching it with it with his parents, I mean, that's I can deal I mean, with that. I'll tell you yes. why. Because it, it's have your parents there means that you can talk to them about these yes. things, you know, or you know, hold it. You know, you're with your parents, you feel safe. There's there's that alone having yeah. the tactile right. feedback from your parents, that sort of thing, True. and to be able to explain certain things, like why did he do this or why did he do that or why you right. know why did he feel the need to bash Glenn's brains in twice? You know, I know, you know, having a parent around while you're watching it is kind of like, okay, you like, you're both appreciating the show, but at the same time, you're learning, hopefully learning why this is wrong, why this is right. happening, you know, in, a, in an unideal world, you know, and, and yeah. to know that there could be some connections that could be made to reality that we can ease you through, which I mean, eventually, you know, that you're going to have to do this with your kids too, Carol. <laughs> I know, I know it, it's going to happen. I just... I'm avoiding it for as long as possible. Yeah, and I hope you do because I think I think it's important for for parents to ease children into certain shows too. Yeah, something that I didn't have, and and I think yeah, having. I yeah, I'm trying to think of with me. Like, I mean, we grew up in, in tight quarters, so there wasn't really all that much room for privacy. Yeah, and yep. um, I know that Friday nights were, you know, it was sort of the the exciting thing. It's like I would go to Blockbuster with my dad, and it's like you got to pick out a movie, and he got to pick out a movie, and you know, there was usually one that was more like for the adults and one that was a little bit more, you know, obviously family friendly or whatever. But yeah, I remember certain movies. It was like we were kind of put in our room to play with the door closed. It's like, no, nope, mm. <laughs> you're not coming out. I think specifically, I think specifically one time it was Silence of the Lambs specifically. Oh. It's like, no, nope, you're all are staying in there. <laughs> You know, now that we're on this, has there been a moment where you kind of sat and watched an iffy movie together with your parents? Oh, God, I'm trying to think. I'm sure there has. You know what the thing is, is that my parents, my mother specifically, is not a huge movie person. So she really isn't as big into watching movies as much as my dad is. My dad loves movies. So I've watched more movies with him, but I'm trying to think if there was any movie I've ever seen with him that was like uncomfortable. Well, not uncomfortable, but like had on the line or even over the line kind of content where you watched it together. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember watching, do you remember Dick Tracy growing up? Yes. The the live action Tracy with Warren Beatty. Yeah, with Warren Beatty and uh, Nat Benning. Yeah, do you remember how kind of almost dark that was? It was. It was dark. I remember watching it with my dad in the movie theaters, which is, oh, I kind wow. of think back and I'm like, what happened <laughs> to me and my dad? <laughs> but like, like you know, we watched Ghostbusters 2 together. We watched, which also was kind of frightening too. Um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Dick Tracy, which dealt with some dark stuff, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of like stuff that kind of stuck with me for a little while. Yeah. But like to have him there, what kind of made me feel really, um, like, first of all, safe and right. knowing that like, like, look, me and my dad, we didn't really talk about these things until I was a teenager. No. Oh, yeah. You know, not, you know, I was a little younger, but... but um, this, is, this is the way it was during that time. Yeah, you know? but I did have that. You know, I did have the tactile, like, the sense that he was there. and Yeah, you know, no, for sure. Like, I don't think that... I mean, especially if I think about the movie... Well, if I think about the movies that were a little bit rougher, like, I never... It was never movies that I watched on my own. It's like... You saw Saw with him together, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I still have not seen any of those, and I don't want to. No, I don't. Oh. I, I saw the first one, and I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't want to see the second or third or fourth mm, one. No, no, this has been done. No, we saw we saw the prince, the the dude from the Prince's Bride. We we saw we saw Terminator too. That was a little like okay. testy. There you, you go. Know, in terms That's of a good content, one. If I think about it, like. You know, hey, your man is in that movie, Terminator 2. Wait, Xander Berkeley? Yes, he's the father who got, like, killed by the bad, by the evil Terminator. That's right. Holy that crap. That was him. Yeah. That was, oh, he looked so young. Oh, my God. Yes, but that right. was years. But that was many years ago, which is... color in his hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and skinny, too. Like, much we, skinny. We is, we, is, we is old. We is old. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, can I say something? Yeah. <laughs> he looks way sexier now. <laughs> <laughs> you know Come what? On. No, you know what though. Yeah, I, the I, same agree. Page I, I agree. I completely like because he looks. If I think about Terminator Two, and I think of him, I mean, he was kind of like a doofus. Like he was sort of yes. like you know, you were kind of like, okay, he got killed. Well, you know, like you weren't. <laughs> it wasn't really like obviously. Obviously, it wasn't killed. like a big loss, you know. But now I think he's definitely he he's. But this is the thing, and I say this before, <laughs> you guys have it so damn good. Like you, I'm sorry. Like this is going off in a tangent, <laughs> but you do. You guys can get older, and like you, it, it suits you. It does. It's like you're goofy as hell when you're younger, and then it's like you grow into this like mature older man stature, oh and gosh. it works. And it, but it works. It's like you don't have to do anything really. You know, you just have right. to allow yourself to to grow and age in a dignified manner. You know, and, or, and the ability to if yeah. to qualify that a little bit more because yeah, like you know, the worst that I've always seen is when people fight it. When people fight it, whether it's man or woman, it's sort of like just stop. It you just know? doesn't like, look good. It's yeah. not a good look. I've seen right. it on both sides, and it's sort of like it's it's something looks off. It just doesn't look right. Whereas the people who like comfortably grow into it and own it it's amazing as yeah, long as you it, own it you know but to further your point like men have that have the ability at least to kind of embrace it faster and, then, and also be co- comfortable with it faster you know and right which and could then, lend to their the way they look and how they come off you and know the perception yeah yeah because yeah i mean personal perception and projection is is kind of reality too right yeah, so yeah and that's not just xander berkeley i mean it's like <laughs> there's a ton of like actors that you could say the same thing i mean like nobody was going crazy for George Clooney when he was, you know, on Golden Girls, you know, and was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Nobody was like losing their so mind. Goofy, right? So goofy, you know, it's like, it's like a me- young comedian. Yeah. You know, like it was completely different, you know, that happens all the time, all the time. Yeah. I, 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 I feel how, that way now. Know how what, we got on this. <laughs> I'll tell you what, just to just put a bookend in, uh, you know, to bookend this conversation, it's like it's it wasn't until I was thirty that I really fully embraced. Uh, first of all, change like attitude, health changes. I'd already lost you know enough hair to kind of be to try to be okay with it, and then I was you know it took me a little while, but only a small while, and then I was just like, okay, this is it, this is what's happening, and I, I'm like truly my best uh, self now. You know, it's like I, I, I that's what so. I feel, and that's know? the and, thing. And, like, and it's very interesting the perception about that because like some people can view it as like I had people who think that I'm super confident and on my in my mind I don't think I'm super confident I feel like I just don't care like <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like like you don't care anymore what other people think like you're not too bent out of shape of like oh well this person's gonna think this or maybe this like no you just don't care and but from a perception standpoint some people view that as being confident it's right. very interesting right yeah yeah and, but you know what that's a good that's a good thing to kind of embrace and it kind of all comes back to Jeffrey Dean Morgan like 
He does own it. He, he, he owns does it enough. Own to, and, and, and it's kind of, it's good that he's simultaneously being faithful to the comic, but also making a believable, aged, I mean, he's not exactly a spring chicken. No. He's not exactly this huge jacked up dude. No. Who no. force, you know, no. just by sheer intimidation alone. He really reinvents the cat. I mean, not he, but I mean, it's, it's writers. It's, it's a combination of that. What but he, he, lends but to he the- sells it. You know, he, he, he sells it. And I think he's done a good job of kind of, you know, making this character his own, his own interpretation. And he's done a good job with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fully. I agree fully with that. Based on what you've lent alone in terms of comic knowledge, I, I would probably be way more satisfied with the with the Negan that we have now as opposed Versus, to the one yes. in the comics. It's just way more believable. It makes it, more sense to me. And spoiler alert, I don't think that Negan is going anywhere in the mid-season finale. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, everything points to him being key to keeping yes. people alive in some yep. senses. Yep, you know? I don't think. In, in spite of everything, which we yeah. may see next week. So, or next like, week oh. in a few days. Right, I know, right. But yeah, like when people are like, oh, you know, is Negan going to die? I'm like, eh, don't hold your breath on that. That ain't happening. I mean, there are, there is the camp of people that feel like something could happen to Daryl. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that camp too. You, th- you think so? You think something could potentially happen to Daryl? Yeah, I do. I, I think I that do. he's, I think it's a long time coming. I don't know if he'll do it, but I do, in, in my mind, I feel like it's a long time coming that something should. Because, again, he's not in the comic, so he really doesn't affect the storyline in any which way if we're going to go by that logic. But also, I mean, he's been on this sort of Rambo, sort of reckless crusade. And how long are you going to be able to keep that going before it bites you? Right. To yourself. I mean, your reckless behavior already got Glenn killed. Yes, Negan killed him, but your reckless behavior, behavior didn't help. Your reckless behavior in terms of storming this truck into the sanctuary is, is going to give them an, an outing to be able to escape and come to Alexandria. Like, how many times can, you know, this stuff happen and you are able to walk away fairly unscathed, you know? Yeah, it's funny that you brought that up because maybe this is his way of make, trying to make it right. But in doing so, he just keeps falling into the same traps. And, right. And in a weird moral or ethical way, he's, it's like you should have just left your chips on the table, stopped while you were ahead. You know, so or, what do you think What do you think potentially would happen to Daryl then? I mean, I still stick with the Dwight idea is that mm-hmm. I think in, in the effort of trying to end Dwight, I mean, for all I know, the Tara might get hurt, not killed, mm-hmm. but hurt as a result right. of a confrontation with Dwight. But right. Daryl is the one that ends up getting killed and and mm. it'll be in a way that we can accept Dwight in a way to the community like right. oh Daryl tries to go too far yeah yeah no it's true because I think because I think people are already at that point with Daryl like what are you doing you know like that it's sort of like you've been reckless for quite some time right and I don't think that it's that Dwight kills him I won't see I won't say that but I think maybe something happens to where Daryl gets himself killed somehow or something happens in a trying, walker maybe you right, know in trying to get to Dwight exactly exactly so I I don't think it would be that Dwight ends him, but I do think, you know, if you want me to put a fine point to this, it's going to be a choice between going after Dwight and letting it be, and he chooses to not let it go, and that's what and gets that's him gonna killed. Be his, and that'll be his downfall. Yeah. yeah. That's that's honestly what I think, and that's it's that's probably the most that's precise prob- prediction I've ever had, you know? That's so. very probable. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's all very probable. I will be texting you on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> as this thing is going on. Hold up my Facebook Messenger, man. <laughs> and and watch us both be wrong and it's Heath in a helicopter. Hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong as long as it's it's right. Yeah, <laughs> Morgan. Morgan. As long as it's right. 
<laughs> as long as it's right. Do right by uh, me with The Walking Dead. Do right by me. Do right by me. Give me something to remember for the next couple of months. Daryl, give me strength. Give me strength. <laughs> so I, I think no better way to end off uh, two hours and 45 minutes. Oh my God. Two hours and 15 minutes edited with saying thank you for listening to Squawking Dead. You can reach us at squawkingdead.com. Reach all of our social media and ways to listen to the show, either directly by the website or using Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, all these different subscription services. Email us, squawkingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, with that, we wish you a good weekend. We're going to watch the 90-minute episode, and we're going to unpack that sucker over the course of <laughs> maybe either the same week, or we may even take the time to post it the week after, because there may be a little bit of a hiatus between now yeah. and Fear the Walking Dead. I hope so that Carol can catch up. And uh, and with that, we bid you adieu until the next one. See you next time. Take care, y'all. Rock.